you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again ahead of round four. TLT for round four has dropped. And this week we've got resident Knights fanatical supporter Luke Garrity on. Luke, welcome back, mate. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for waiting till they lost to get me on. I appreciate that. We're riding high at 2-0 and and you've waited till we got beat by the Tigers <laughs> to bring me back on with my tail between my legs. Well, I, I, did, I do have to share too that, that uh, one of the listeners did record... Luke saying that they'll do a job on the Tigers when we did the preseason podcast of the Knights preview and we're going through <laughs> the draw and that got uh that got recorded in a soundbite and uh, retweeted to me as well from one of the Tigers fans so so there you go. Well, do we play them again this year? I think that's when I'm just, I was talking about the next game. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's your Supercoach side going? Anyway, you're you're being our great guns. You are pretty close to top 500, and that's after you you managed to drop. You were top few hundred um, up until last round. Yep, going pretty solid. Pretty solid. Uh, 700th after round one, 300 and something last week, and 523 this week. So look, I you can't complain about that. There's a lot of you know luck that goes into getting a good start and I've got some made some good calls my not made any too many complete stinking calls yet so my backs haven't been firing too much but you know I would have absolutely taken the start of the year um I'll just keep seeing what happens I'm sure there's a uh, HIA captain right around the corner but we'll see (laughs) I was happy enough with how I started uh, but then I was really surprised in the weekend, actually, because I got around at an 11.50, which I thought was decent under the circumstances, because I had Mitchell Moses with a six or whatever he was, and also Ryan James with his five. As I thought this was going to be a terrible round, but then I sort of came back and had an 11.50, and I was sort of like, well, that should be okay, but I dropped a couple thousand spots. Like I was around 1.5, and then from that 1500 mark, I dropped like 2000 spots. So I was spewing. I thought, I actually thought it was a bit of an easier round than that. Cause I saw a lot of bad scores, but um, it was a bit of a tough one really. Yeah, it was. And it was a weird round cause you scored 1150. I scored 1140 and went from like 300 to 500. And you know, whereas you, you've outscored me and, you know, and, and, and dropped quite a bit. So it's, a, you know, it, it's still pretty close at this point. I think the overall message and all of that is, and I think some of the top, the teams that were high up, um, have probably copped quite a few of the guys that were out last week, you know, because, you know, you probably all, all, we all had sort of our Puppenhausen's clearies and everyone else that got us up there. And then we had a few injuries and, you know, um, that it'll, I reckon it'll be pretty tight now looking around. It's, it's nice for me to sit here and say I've got a good rank, but I'm, I'm not a lot of points ahead of 2000, 3000. Um, and it's, it can change pretty, pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I, every chance if you have me back on again, we'll be sitting in the reverse positions, I think, because it's not actually that many points yeah, in it at really the moment. Close. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting going into this round, and we are going to go into market watch first to look in the top 10, trade it out and trade it in. Uh, so it'll kind of come up then. And also when we do our TLT coverage, which will come after that. But one of the things that kind of stood out for this round is, you know, I've kind of had plans for the first few weeks on my trades and stuff. And I always say it's really important to have your plans and everything. I've kind of gotten to this week and it's sort of one of those weeks where it's like, oh, there's like, you know, 10 guys that I could be interested in, but none of them that I really have to get. So I think this is really, this round here, 
like is really the pointy end of the rounds where decisions can really start to shape your season. Like I think now we've just had the first big price rises last week. That's already happened. Um, and we're still going to see the effects of that in mm. round four, I think. But we're also getting to the point now where these decisions, like with my team, like, you know, there's not any definitive plan that I had for this round, for round, round four that I had to go for. And to look at my own past history, this is one of the things that really has killed me in previous seasons where it's been like, all right, I don't really have a plan. I don't have a 5.8, so I've got to get a 5.8, or I don't have this, so I've got to get this. It's like, well, let's have a look at the market, who's there, and you have a look and go, well, there's, you know, these sort of eight guns that I could get, and there's these few negative break-even guys I could get, and which ones do I get? And those are the type of decisions that low-key can really have a snowball effect on your season in the next few weeks if you make the wrong ones. Yeah, 100% agree. You know, um, uh, last week's a great example is that well, if you didn't have Jaden Braley, everyone gets Jaden Braley. You don't have Ryan James, you get Ryan James. I mean, it didn't yep. work out, but it was a pretty obvious call. And then those sorts of things are probably what came up. You know, if you had a missed um, Dane Laurie or, or, or Tessie New after week one or two, you, you're jumping on them. So it was, to a point, all fairly obvious. And even the left-field ones, when Cleary went down, if you're going to get a halfback, you would have gone and got Ben Hunt. There wasn't a lot of people getting other, other halfbacks. So it, I think in those early weeks, it is quite obvious. Uh, it doesn't always work, but we all tend to be going the same way because everyone can glaringly see who we should have got uh, or, or who's about to make a stack of cash. But now when when prices are already moving, it does change a lot. You know, um, someone who didn't get Braley doesn't necessarily grab him now. He's made 100 grand or or whatever else. And um, to use my example, I'm going to be looking for a centre this week. And, you know, now <laughs> now that sort of Morris is probably looking less attractive with, with Kiri gone and everything and then Brad Mabest is injured, all of a sudden there's probably about six that I really could go for one of them if I wanted. And there's not someone who's going to make 150 grand this week or is going to average 80 or is quite obvious it's that you're right like this call now um one of them will get 100 this week and the other couple will get 30 and you've got to pick the right one (laughs) that it is it's a hard time it's a hard time and if i pick whoever i pick not everyone's jumping on like they are the first few weeks where it's more obvious so i think it is over the next few weeks you start to get that separation started to happen as well which always does is the injuries so obviously we had some serious injuries on the weekend uh, being a Roosters supporter, I'm well aware that that started. Uh, but um, that's one other thing that's going to start to play havoc too. And let's get straight into Market Watch and really get into it. Now, before we do that, I need to mention Top Sport, who is our big partner of the All-Stars podcast and a huge supporter of us. To make everything possible, Top Sport are a fantastic 100% owned Australian bookmaker. They are still fighting to try and get the super coach markets um, that we spoke about in the preseason. So fingers crossed that that will happen eventually one day. But until it does, their NRL markets are the best in the business. You'll, you'll rarely find better odds than what Top Sport offer. They've got some fantastic odds there. And if you are going to gamble, do so responsibly. But make sure that you put in the promo code SC All Stars, all one word, when you do make an account with Top Sport, because that way they'll know that you're one of our listeners. They'll know that you're in your footy, and they'll take good care of you with everything that you need as well. Uh, other than that, they've got a whole heap of other sports as well that they are also often best in market on the odds. So Top Sport, get on it, and we're going to get on to Market Watch, Luke. So trade-outs, Luke Keery's number one. That makes total sense. So let's just leave that one alone. I don't want to talk about Luke Keery because it's just so upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> but Jacob Little's the second one. And this is interesting because, obviously, Jacob Little's gone up 65000 this round. So... We've made a heap of cash out of him already. That's great. He does only have a break-even of four. 
So he's still got some cash to make, but obviously with Embiid dropping to the bench, he's, he's sort of lost his minutes, and it looks like he's probably going to be sort of a 50-ish minute sort of guy. It, he's still going really well. Like, his scoring has still been fine, but that's because he's been involved in a lot of the attack. And I actually thought that, you know, last week... It, and the week before, insides that didn't do too well. He was actually a bit of a shining light. Now, he only scored 39 points last week, but he managed to get to 61 minutes, whereas the week before, he was at 50 minutes, and he got 66 points. But, yeah, you're still looking at sort of a 53-ish average over the last two weeks when he's been playing reduced minutes. So, not too bad. Still probably two weeks left of, of making cash. 6% of coaches are trading him out. A lot of the time, we would probably say that's a mistake, but, you know, I've... I posted a lot online about why coaches are doing this and why it's okay. Uh, and a lot of it's to do with the guy that I just mentioned, Schuster, because, you know, if you're going to get him in at a huge negative break even as a 5'8 that's starting as an edge back rower, which is huge, at 208,000, you know, he's going to make a lot more money over the next month than what Jacob Little is going to make. So if that's the reason you're doing it, I think it makes total sense. Um, maybe if you're going straight to a gun, you're doing it. But I think most people are going little to Schuster, which is a popular trade this week. Yep. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, everyone that sort of, you know, there's a big principle that you've got to wait to the top of the market and, you know, buy low, sell high and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not quite like that. It's not about eking every dollar out of Jacob Little because you'll have to sell him to someone who will also make money. You'll make more money selling him to someone who makes money than you will waiting a month when he's at his absolute peak price and there's no one to sell him to. Um, you know, uh, if you, that's a very tight position. It's not center wing. You don't get six of them a year and they don't just keep coming up all year. If you look through and go, are we going to get another hooker? Look, we might get Sam Berrells at some point uh, in the mid at 250 odd, but he may well be brought back quite slowly. I don't think he's going to come back and play 80 minutes. Um, you may get the young guy, may uh, sorry, Simpkins, is it? May take little spot or come onto the bench. But if that happens, I think he'll probably be a 30-minute hooker to start. I don't think he's going to come in and play 50, 60 minutes. It, it's not necessarily that likely or you can certainly not guarantee that we get another guy to get him out. And the thing with Little is, if you actually look at what his scores are going to do, is that if he doesn't score a try, he's going to get about 40. That looks about right. If you look over the last couple of games, you're looking at 35, 40 if he doesn't score. He'll peak next week on that. And what are you going to do? Take 30 grand or whatever he's going to make, have a 40 break even the next week, miss Schuster, who's going to make more and keep going, and then Jacob Little's every chance of getting hurt, like at any given moment. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to get a 40 this week, then get a zero. Then he's going backwards, and you're going, shit, who am I going to get in? Um, and then you're suddenly trying to manufacture selling someone else to sell Little to a gun and stuff like that. Just as incredibly talented. He's passing every eye test. Um, he may only be there a few weeks. That could happen. But he's every chance of hitting another 100, like at any given time. He's got 40 in base the first week. He got similar this week. And he's got footwork. He's got a pass and a flick pass. He's got all that sort of thing. He's... I mean, if Sheridan comes back, and remember, he's yeah. all like, Schuster is really a 5'8", but he's not going to mm. take foreign or Daily Cherry Evans jumpers to go into the halves anywhere. He's not going to get it. So he's going to know that as well. And the back row for Manly is decimated, and they're not playing well. And he was really good last week. Kaziaski isn't going to 
come in and take his job. I don't think if, if Schuster mm. keeps doing what he did last week, you know, he's he's going to keep it. And Ciro will just come in and be the other and be the edge back rower, and it doesn't really matter where you've got to <laughs> yeah. shift Schuster around to if it's. You know, they're, they're going to keep him in there probably. So, but not only that, I think the thing that I like most about the trade is that you know I've said from 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 round one when we've gone through TLT, Little's good. Don't ever play him. You know, and like that kind of hasn't worked because he's obviously scored a try and stuff the first couple mm. of weeks anyway. Last week it worked a treat, but you don't want mm. to be playing him. Whereas Schuster's a guy that's going to make you over a hundred thousand dollars freed up cash that you can spend somewhere, which is a benefit. And then give you someone in return that is actually going to be playable in your 17. And that can't be understated enough that you can play this guy and he's just coming off, you know, a huge score. So I think that, I think the trade's fine. What I would say to your point too, though, is that, you know, I am yeah. someone who is looking ahead to a Sam Verrills because at 250,000, I think he's hugely talented. And these are the type of things you need to consider mm. because, you know, I made the, the comment to Wilfred that, you know, we were chatting about five eights ourselves mm. and I was saying, well, I, I don't know what to do because I can't buy everyone. There's only two spots for 5'8", and Schuster and Walker look really good, but you can only get so many because there's only two spots for your sixes. But one of the good things is that if you do this move with Little, you can, say, flick a Connor Watson from six to nine and have Schuster there, but then you can always... you know, flick somebody from six in three or four weeks, and that might even be Schuster, you know. You know, in three or four weeks, Schuster might be done. You can flick him out again, bring back Watson via the duel to six, and then buy your number nine again, you know, with all the versatility of flicking Watson back and forth if he's one of the guys. It actually works out really easy that you can keep buying hookers in that regard. Yeah, it does give you a lot of flexibility that way because um, I think what a lot of us will have, uh, Braley and probably Watson at six or nine. And then if you're getting Schuster in, all of a sudden you've got three guys who are scoring well. You'll probably be playing uh, Braley and Watson each week at the moment. And then Schuster's got the Warriors and Titans after this week and the Tigers. So you'd be having a little bit of a run at him then. Um, but they're also three guys where there is some uncertainty. You can bank on playing them, but Watson's very injury prone and a utility. Uh, Braley, we haven't seen this level of form before. And we also, you know, Schuster's very young. So you're right with that sort of barrels trade. It leaves open this three guys. You could end up, if he comes back and starts playing well, you can really weigh up. Schuster's still going well. Watson's going well, but Braley's dropped off. Or, you know, um, Schuster's going, not going so good, but Watson is. So you can almost like keep playing all of those three, knowing that if yep. one starts to drop off, you can, you've got a really good out. It's pretty much the same conversation where we've got Matt Moylan, who's just made 25 grand, so not as much as little. At almost five percent of coaches trading him out, and, and Lachlan Lamb at three percent of coaches. Now, obviously, if you own Lachlan Lamb, he got hurt, so he's going to be the guy at either hooker or five eight that goes for Schuster. That's that's an easy one. Matt Moylan's a bit of a tougher one, and I'm going to say myself, like I was, I'm weighing up already. Do I get rid of Little or do I get rid of Moylan? And I guess with Moylan, you know, looking at it, he hasn't really set the world on fire, but he's been okay. He does get to play the Cowboys. This week, um, in the end, I opted for Little because, uh, you know, Moylan's got a higher BE, um, but it's still only 26. But he has gone 52, 20, and 52. And it does look like he's more of a, a 52 type of player. Like that, that Canberra game was in a little bit of an anomaly. It was just a terrible game. But this game against the Cowboys this week, you know, he's every chance of actually having a decent score. Kind of the opposite of Little. Like I, I'd almost play him this week against the Cowboys with how bad they looked last week. So... 
Uh, I ended up opting, you know, Moylan's only made the 25 grand. He frees up less cash than what Little does. So to me, I ended up deciding today for a little. But obviously, a lot of coaches, Luke, are going for Matt Moylan out uh, at two hundred seventy-nine thousand, making twenty-five thousand. Would you opt for that instead of Little? No, not instead of. I would. I would sell him. I sold him to Braley last week, um, and that felt a bit unprincipled because I, you know, um, <laughs> sort of was making going to make money. But uh, I would sell him to Schuster on talent. I, I think. Well, I mean, Moylan's always been very talented, but Schuster's eye test. I, I, he looks serious, and um, Moylan is a guy that can drop twenties, which can stop cash generation. He can sort of go seventy twenty, seventy twenty, and you don't make as much cash that way sometimes. But um, I would not. I, the reason I would I would sell little first is little is yep. more expensive for starters. You're actually making more cash off that trade. Moylan is on the field for 80 minutes of the game. They're both injury risks, and and Moylan. If you who's more likely to get 100? Matt Moylan. Matt Moylan can still do that. Yeah, I think he looks good. They've deferred to Wade Graham down that edge quite a lot. Actually, sometimes I think they need to give Moylan a little bit more of the ball down there. They, they go to Graham a lot. And they need to go to Moylan with Graham running off him a bit more. But I, I, he looks all right, and I, he's always had a game in him. Um, he, if you go through his seasons until last year, he's always just banged a big score out somewhere. And I think you can just sit and wait in that in the same way. If you look at his price, would you sell a centre wing cheapie that had had the career he'd had you know, at that price. Because you sort of just go, oh, no, nah, a guy like that, he's just going to go big. It's like, you just sit in there and wait for it. You don't have to play him. I know you, what you're saying, you could play him this week, but you don't have to. If you're really yeah, a bit testy on him, just sit him on your bench and wait for him to like, jam on out. And I, and it, I, sort of, I think I made the comment yeah. a week ago that, you know, you know it feels it feels a bit dirty selling him when you're selling him at Moylan when you know he's going to make money and he hasn't made it yet. Because it's, it's, it feels like a bit of a waste to me. Like, little 65K... Mm. Yeah. Isn't that much of a waste when you consider his minutes and stuff? And what I think, what we've seen from Matt Moylan as well, aside from the good points that you made that he looks a lot better and he's going to get some attack, is that his base two out of those three games is really impressive. Like, if you write off the Canberra game as just shit house, you know, in the first game against the Dragons, he had a 33 raw base, and in the Para game, he had a 30 raw base. And then when you throw in the tackle breaks and stuff as well, like, he's actually got a, a bit of a 40s floor mm. if you take that Canberra game as an anomaly. Obviously, that's only across two games, but if uh, that's not the Matt Moylan that a lot of us remember when he was kind of spot starting and getting hurt, and he was throwing up, you know, nines and twelves and, and stuff like that. That was just abhorrent. It was just awful. But it doesn't look like that he's going to do that. Like he kind of looks a bit locked on and and, and almost healthy, <laughs> if I can say that. So so that that raw base is actually pretty impressive for him. If he's going to yeah. do that, like you're in a really good spot to be able to jag a big score or two in a row and. You've got the Cowboys this week. The Roosters after that's going to be a bit harder. The Knights are playing quite well, but I mean, look, the Tigers put a fair few points on you guys on the weekend, and then he's got the and then he's got the Dogs. So the next month of football for Moylan isn't too bad either. Whereas I don't think that there's really any upside in Little, uh, which is what I got down to in the end as well when I made my decision. You know, there's there is no upside for Little to have too many bigger scores down the track like there is in Matt Moylan. No, I'd be holding Moylan first. Um, I probably would sell him to Schuster. I sold him to Braley last week, but I didn't really want, like, I, I wanted Braley enough to do that trade, but I didn't want out of Moyland, if that makes sense. Like, if I could have done someone else, I would have. If you've got him, don't feel like you've got to spend trades getting him out. A really easy one. So we've got a few injury ones on here. I just want to just take a moment just to reflect on our ben, uh, my Ben Hunt talk last week because uh, I was talking to you about it very positively as well, but... Uh, <laughs> 
just just for the people that have spoken to me about it, you can mm. never ever predict injuries. He did get hurt the first twenty minutes. Ended up that he was playing with a fracture in his shin, which is pretty bad. Um, so it's exceptionally unlucky. But you got to look at it, um, you know, glass mm. half full. He got a triasis before he went off with his broken leg, and he made fifty three k this week. So you know, it, it could be worse. And if you look at it this way, you know, people are selling Matt Moreland making twenty five k. You know, at least you made double that in a week. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't predict that. I, I, he's been playing like he had a broken <laughs> leg for about three years, so I said surprising he started playing so well this year. But um, he, he he's he was looking good. I nearly did it myself. I'm a Cleary Walker owner, and I basically vice captain Cameron Munster on the Thursday and was like, if he doesn't put up a score that is solid enough to just loop Walker then, you know, I was thinking like 80 plus, I'll loop it and just hope Teddy doesn't go that well. And if he hadn't have put that up, I was going to, you know, if he had walked out with a 50, I would have bought Hunt. So I dodged a, quite a quite a bullet there, to be honest with you. But um, but I bought Ryan James so I didn't make my, and played him. So <laughs> it swings and roundabouts. The other bad luck story in the top 10, Bradman Best, kind of, kind of out of nowhere for your Knights. He just ended up with his injury to his elbow. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of people that actually had already done their trades when they found out as well. He's just incredibly unlucky, uh, but he has to be traded out now as well. But he was a guy that I was actually targeting in the next few weeks to have a look at in my centre wing. So that's a bit of a shame for, for your Knights as well. Yeah, it's a big shame. He's a very talented kid. He's had a lot of injury. He's a, he reminds me a lot of James Tedesco. He's going through that stage Tedesco had when he came into first grade where he just keeps breaking different things. Like it's his foot, then it's his elbow, then it's like a shoulder, then it's rolling an ankle that's not the same as the foot injury. You know what I mean? Like he's just getting those growing pains. And yeah, I don't think he will end up being injury prone. It actually happens to a lot of really talented kids, particularly if they're pretty big specimens and um he'll probably be a problem for him for a couple of years and then he'll start to pull out of it i i look they said it extended time term a couple of times and then they've just sort of said three or four weeks recently so we'll see you know he's still going to be a watch if, if he can get back on the field he'll be one of the guys to target for the first buy i think everyone that owns kyle flanagan i don't want to jump on the bandwagon and be able to hate her again but i said all pre-season don't do it like he was already way overs. He scored 78 points the first week. I gave him his his props the first week that he played well for his 78 points. But after that, you know, 26 points and 13 points. And the 13 points was against the Broncos. You know, like if you were if you're looking at games, you probably could have talked yourself into round two saying, oh, well, it was against Penrith. You know, they're a good side, 26 points. Oh, well, it's the Bulldogs. But then you would have been like, but he plays the Broncos next week. This is going to be great. And he scores 13. You know, like He's just, I said in the preseason, and I'm not going to bang on about it and go on a Barnsley rant, but, you know, he, he is talented. He wasn't talented enough to keep his spot at the Roosters, and he also is the only guy in that spine that is really going to be the leader, and I don't know how that's going to go for him, and I think that we're seeing how that's going for him now when you've got an inexperienced one, no real nine, um, and you're chopping and changing his halves partner. You know, it, it's I'm not even blaming all of it on Flanagan. You know, it's it's kind of a shit position for him to be in. It was a good signing in a vacuum, but as far as super coach goes, you know, I think that we had these warning signs. A lot of people are jumping off. He's just lost 50k. He's got 128 BE going against Souths. Everybody should be getting off them, surely, Luke. There's no way that anyone should be on the Kyle Flanagan train anymore. No, his ownership should be 0% after this week. If you've got him, you need to sell him. And that is the problem with a club like that, is that 
when you are right at the bottom of the table, there are no gimmies. When when you when you there are front running players um, who don't always score well against good teams and can go a bit quiet, but you know they're just going to cash in on bottom teams or they can really rout a team. Um, you know, the, before Mitchell Moses was a keeper, he was a good example. Like you could jump on him when he was averaging yep. forty five for the season, knowing he'd absolutely gut someone like it was coming last and stuff like that. Uh, Luke Keery has been like that over parts of his career. He's probably got a bit more consistent, but there's times you can go, you know what, if they're playing the worst three teams in the comp, get on. Um, you can't do that when you're the halfback for the Bulldogs because his team can't, not just him, his team can't cash in. And you see, oh, they've got the Broncos and the West Tigers. That's a good draw or something yeah. like that. And you go, yeah, but they can just lose that 24 <laughs> nil. So it's, it's, you can't, you know, you've got to be careful at looking at draws. The sort of halfback he is, um, he's a, controlling halfback, you might cash in if their forward well, pack gets on top yeah. and throw some nice balls for tries, and they're not going to do that much. But for Supercoach, he's actually not a great player because mm. of how he plays. He, a lot of his talent doesn't translate to Supercoach points either. He's not a half that's going to get heaps of tries. And a lot of people mm. that did start with him hung their hat on the goal kicking, and I did respond to a lot of people on social media and made the point, you know, this is a Bulldog side that's at the bottom in the tack, whereas the Rooster side was at the top. And they were giving the goal kicker 16 points a game. You know, he'd be lucky to get half of that at the Bulldogs. So already, you know, you're at least eight points down. And now we're in, we've got three rounds down. And the Bulldogs, I think the stat was for 167 minutes, they haven't scored one point. You know, like that's that's what you're going to get. So the goal kicking is really, it hasn't been there at all the last two games because they haven't kicked for any goals, you know. So it's it's not great. Um, get off Kyle Flanagan. I'm not going to pile it on him because it's not all his fault. And I'm talking mainly for Supercoach anyway. But James Roberts is another disappointment. He's in the top 10 most traded out. I've had a couple of people send me their centre wings and say, I've got to get rid of someone because they're all terrible. Um, who should I get? And this is a really common thing at the moment, Luke where uh, teams are starting to realise, I think, that the separation and the opportunity to get past uh, a lot of the crowd is to get your centre wing better by not having to play four guys that are all really bad. I've said to a lot of people, James Roberts, you know, I've looked at their centre wings mm. and it's been, you know, they've, they've obviously had, a lot of them had Laurie, most of them had New, uh, and then they might have some other guys like a Simonson, they're not very good either, but James Roberts is taking up 277000 and he... Is a, is in the top ten at the moment. Um, he's got a break even of thirty five, which he may not even hit this week. Um, and I just see it as two hundred seventy seven thousand that's wasted having to sit on him. You know, I'd rather leave a lower price guy out. So I kind of agree with this one. His two games, you know, he's got thirty four points in round one, missed round two, and scored twenty eight points against you guys last week with a, a twenty four base and an eighteen base in his two games. Uh, he's he's the pick of the centre wings that are sort of that you know lower to 300k price bracket he'd be one of the first i'd get rid of if i owned him so i think he deserves to be in the top 10 but how do you sort of rank him as a trade out for center wings yeah i'd get rid of him um humble brag i i started with him and after the first week <laughs> i traded him to satili tupanua for round two <laughs> which um is why i moved up from my first gun rank because that was a big move um, i did it before he was ruled out as well i actually didn't say he was ruled out till after i'd done the trade I would get rid of him. I think he's high on the list. That 34 has a try assist and a line break assist in it. And, yeah, so as you said, eight, about 18 base. 
the Knights. Oh, look, look. The only argument I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. Like the only top thing I've seen in those two games is they shunt the ball to him and he keeps roaming back across field looking to catch runners and looking to... He'll probably make a line break assist or a try assist roaming across the field at some point or another, but it'll only be against crap teams. And he's got Parramatta, then the Cowboys, then South. So there's one crap team in there. Then he's got Manly, St. George and, and the, the Titans. If, if you've got other issues, you could probably... He was, the way he's playing, he'll, he'll cut someone up for a try assist or something at some point. But the problem is he just did that and got 34. So um, I, I would probably sell him above the others. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Roberts is probably the yeah. one to go. Fuser Tour I'd hold, Simonson I'd hold, maybe Saab instead if just because of AE issues uh, and stuff. But, yeah, one of those, those two would be the ones to go. We've already spoken about Josh Schuster, and he is number one traded in 16% of teams at the moment. It's It's really quite phenomenal how well he has gone when you're having a look at the numbers. So, played 76 minutes in round two for his first game of the season. Scored 46 points. Solid effort for a guy that's, you know, really should be in the halves. Started and named a start in round three against the Dragons on the edge. 90 points in his 80 minutes that he played on the edge. A couple of things that that confirmed. One, if he's playing on that edge, he's getting 80, which was a big deal. Um, but the second thing was, across those two games when he's played on the edge, he scored 46 in raw base and 42 in raw base. Now, that's not phenomenal, but that's okay mm. for a seasoned, decent, um, you know, edge back rower. You know, David Fafita doesn't have a raw base as good as that. So for him to come in and do that, the, f- the first two games as an edge back rower, as not an edge back rower, I-, I found quite impressive. Um, and his attack that he found last week as well, you know, he had a try assist in there as well, uh, and was generally, aside from the base, um, looked like he was quite dangerous. So, uh, you know, I I don't want to put too much on Schuster because mm. maybe it'll all fall apart in a couple of weeks, but minus 65 BE, he might be the best half, between halfback and 5'8", cash cow that we see all year. And when you see those type of guys that can be make or break for your season as well. Um, if they end up making sort of, you know, the Angus Crichton debut seasons of making, you know, 300 grand or something and sort of being a guy that you can keep playing or keep as an 18th or 19th man, you know, those are the sort of things that if you didn't get on, they can really hurt you. Uh, and Schuster early on kind of looks like that might be the case. Yeah, well, a really good example is um, Cody Walker's debut season where he was filling in one game for Luke Keery and heaps of people, including me, didn't get on him and then he just never got out of the team and just, like, averaged, you know, 50, 60 points and went on runs. And you, you, if you didn't get him, you just missed out on buckets of cash because you go, oh, he might not be there next week. He's only in for a week or two. He's only in for a week or two. Yeah, he looks all right, but Keery's coming back. And, and, and Walker ended up playing, like, just all year. And just or for at least half the year, and he made absolute buckets of cash and really hurt people. And I'd say the same with Schuster. The talent's there. He looks good on the field. It, you just, I, I'd be getting him in. But go to side rant. Um, Des Hasler's coaching is just so stupid. Like with this kid in the team, and you've seen how good he looks out of position. And then you look at how they have no hooker at all. Why did he buy Kieran Foran? Like why didn't they buy a dummy half with that money in play? Like this is what salary. This is how salary caps work when you get. Schuster, who could be, and I don't want to go early, but he could be like a $500,000 worth player right now. When you have him on like 100000 that's when you win. You don't 
put him out of position and sign Kieran Foran and and have both. That's when you play him at 5'8", and you're getting massive, massive unders. And then that's how you win games because you've got guys and unders under the cap. And he was just not using him and is now plugging holes with him when he's got no dummy well, half and no outside backs. Looking for, <laughs> to get more value yeah. than what you're invested in yeah. and then you'll win. But the thing is, you know, that, that mud yes, ball film exactly. could yeah. have been made about Des Hasler because this is what Des did so well in some of his past jobs, you know, mm. like he's the guy that sort of started yeah. doing that a decade ago or whatever in rugby league. Yeah. So it's, it's funny that he's not doing it now because it was one of his big strengths and he okay. was big in the sports science and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, Schuster could have just been their starting hooker as well. I mean, that's something else that you didn't mention, you know, forget about going and buying a hooker instead of four. And if you really want four and you know, buy four and yeah. start Josh at hooker. You know, they could have done that as well. But for super coach, look, he look, I, I can't, I just don't see a reason not to get on. When you look at that BE and you look at the next, there's nobody coming back for a couple of weeks. So if he doesn't get hurt, let's say he goes 40 this week and then he gets a run of, you know, the Warriors, the Titans, the West Tigers, you know, you could see an 80 in there somewhere, like maybe 40, 40 and an 80 in there, you know, when he goes over a 90 again. Big money, and then well, what have you lost if he if he does drop to the bench? Pump him out. Between round four and round ten, there's only two games I could actually live with myself not playing him for. Like he's got Penrith this week, I'm going to sit him. Then he's got Warriors, mm. Titans, Tigers. That's yep. a golden three week run. And then he's got Penrith again. That sucks. I'm not going to play him then. Then he's got Warriors mm. again, and the Broncos, and that takes him up to round ten. You know, and at that point, you're looking towards around 13 by which he doesn't play in. Yep. And, you know, wow, look, I've, I've just played the guy for a month of football out of six that I got for 200 grand, and he's averaged, you know, 60-odd points probably. And I'm going to be able to sell him now to whatever I keep or I want that's playing the round 13 by. You know, it's just, it, it makes too much sense, but I'm going to be really controversial here and tell you why someone might not be able to buy him. Um, and I'm in this predicament because I've got... I went the cheap 5-8 route. So I've got Connor Watson and Matt Moylan there. And I don't have enough money mm. to go a gun six to get the points this week because Munster's playing the Broncos and Cody's playing the Bulldogs. And get Schuster as well. I, I can't do it. There is no physical way I will have enough money to trade out Matt Moylan and to trade out um, Connor, well, to trade out Little because I'll switch Connor Watson over and have the money to do it. So I have to make the decision myself this week. Are points more important, getting a Cody Walker in or even a Munster in, um, and they've got a great draw, or, you know, is the money more important? And I'm going to take a hit this week, but I'm going to get Schuster in for the money. You know, that's it's a tough one to answer. I wish <laughs> Cody wasn't playing the Bulldogs, then my point would sound a bit more likely, but he's that good with a 40 base, I guess... You only need him to pop someone through to get to 60, and if Cody gets 80 or something, what if you lost? You know what I mean? It's only the risk that this could be the week Cody or or Munster go 150, but um, it's bad timing on that front. I I, I think you just got to make the the call on that it, it, based on your other trades. Like if you're there's not really any other cheapies this week. Like if there was say let's say a 173k centre winger was on the boil or a back rower, if you could sell to that and then turn Moyland into Walker skip Schuster, but you can't be selling like one of those guys to enough skipping Schuster to get Walker or Munster. That's, you know what I mean? It's got to be, you need to be bringing, your downgrade to afford that guy needs to be for someone that's worthwhile and will make money. Uh, that's when you fall behind. You can skip guys, but you can't just not make money at all, I guess. 
the only other thing I would add to him in case some people are considering not getting him, because I, I know a few people that are real trade hoarders and like <laughs> I don't get them. I don't understand them as people. They should be studied for science because I, I use all mine. But um, uh, if you're thinking of hoarding them, uh, I will say one thing you mentioned before, and I agree, everyone's talking about how to get the, the stink out of your centers and we're playing too many crap centers. If, if, when you look at guys like Schuster now and potentially Sam Walker, if you don't have him, these are two young guys that you may well be able to play in your 17 and you and I, as you and I have said, Schuster's a play nearly every week while he's there. So what you can actually afford to do with that is that would let you, if you've got the right jewels and stuff like that, you can actually start to swing or, or trade your fourth or fifth back rower into a starting center to get um, to get your centers stronger because you can play Schuster. So if you've got, say, I wouldn't be selling Tupanua yet, but if you've got Tino's, Tupanua's, um, Josh Jackson's, those sort of level guys sitting as fourth and fifth back rowers, um, someone in those sort of price ranges, all of a sudden you can go, oh, I can afford to move, I can afford to buy jewels and other stuff, shift him to center and make that, you know, Brian Tor or Valentine Holmes, whoever, whoever you like the look of, you know, Kate Well, whatever, Peachy, that fixes your center problem. And you can do that because Schuster can be your reserve now. That, that that's the, the benefit of being able to play him is that it actually lets you fix your centers at the moment when there's no other way to do it. Like a lot of us won't have the money to turn Saab into a great center or Fuzatura into a great center. But if you can't stomach looking at your four centers for the next month, you can now trade your fourth or fifth back roller out yeah, and make sure to your reserve and you're not going to lose much. It does give you to be honest. Options. I mean, look, I think what I kind of landed on, because I've been thinking about this all day um, and I've done a million different practice trades and stuff and, what I eventually landed on is there isn't a clear answer, um, and that's that's kind of one of the things with Supercoach that I think people get hung up on when you're looking at market watching, you're looking at trade it out and trade it in. It's not like a medical form where you're ticking yes or no. You know, there's a lot of grey there, and it's there's no definitive answer that you can say with these trades. With Schuster, I think that what could happen is, you know, if I go for the points this week, um, I'm going to feel really good about it this week. Um, and if Cody throws up 150, I'll feel very vindicated and be like, wow, I'm glad that I didn't I didn't go that cheapy route and I end up with Cody Walker in my team. Uh, but eventually I'm going to feel that. And it might be three weeks, it might be four weeks, but in the next month, the Cody Walker points from round four will be a distant memory. And I'll be looking at just, uh, you know, 450,000 and searching for cash in my team that I don't have to get another gun in that I need. So that's kind of where I sort of left myself at. I still haven't decided. Uh, I think I'll be much happier in the short term getting points now. Uh, and I'll get a jump and my rank will be a lot better in the next fortnight. But I think in the long term, um, Schuster's going to be the play. So whether that answers anyone's questions or makes it easier, I don't think it does because it hasn't made me any more at ease <laughs> my decision for it. But you can't get both of them in. And I guess this is also probably why, you know, he's only edging towards 16%, Josh Schuster. You know, and, you know, other times if he's in a center wing spot, he'd probably be at, you know, 35% trading at the moment. So David Fafita is the guy at second on the list. And... I don't want to toot my own horn, but uh, I really, I'm not going to because I'm going to say I really fluked it because I was really deciding between a few guys last week and I just ended up settling on um, Fafita. And, geez, I'm glad that I did. David Fafita had a massive game last week. 112 points, uh, 49 in base was his best base all year as well. And he did that with, I think it was nine tackle breaks as well as a try line, uh, a line break assist that he got. Uh, and the week before against the Broncos, he got 105. So all of a sudden, he's gone 60, 105, 112, 626,000. He's flying now with a B of only two. 
Um, I kind of want to say that last week was a week to kind of jump on if you wanted to, because it always, it was pretty obvious that he was going to go well against that Cowboys edge, and he did. But playing against Canberra this week, it is a bit harder. Um, plays Newcastle the next week. So the next two rounds aren't as easy, but I, I see him as a good buy, Luke, still. He's a bit more expensive than what I would have liked to have paid last week if I was doing that trade again, but 626000 is still okay to do. Uh, I guess for me, expectations are always important with these type of trades. I think that you need to expect that there's a chance that Fafita could come in this week and throw up a 45 or 50 because he's got that in him. Um, and you just need to know that you're buying him for those games. You know, maybe in round six versus Manly, he's going to throw up another 100 again, probably. You know, it's he's not one of those guys like the other guns where you can kind of put him in and safely bank a 70 every week. You know, he is going to have some down weeks. But, geez, he's looked fantastic on that Titans edge the last two. Yeah, he looks fantastic. I'll toot my horn. I started with him, so um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right into him at the moment. And I'm a bit dirty, you know, because he, he had to go off the field early against the Warriors, having got 60. Minute, yeah. Then he got he got freaking HIA'd on the Broncos on 100. I know, on 105. And I was going to absolutely put everyone to sleep that week because I, I ended up – I had the VC on him. And if he, like, 15 minutes to go, he'd have scored again. Like, he, he was rolling them. And that would have just, oh, I was so upset about it because I did everything right. I got him in, I VC'd him, and, um, and, and he, you know, it had to happen. But, yeah, and this week, again, with the 112, he looks great. Um, if you buy him, what you need to understand is exactly what Mark said. When he gets 40, just deal with it. It's, it doesn't matter. Like, he doesn't go 60, 60, 60. He's going to go 40, 70, 120, 40, 40. 90, you know, like that's what's going to happen. They're looking for him. Um, it was quite funny that Tanner Boyd is like an awful player. And it was so funny to watch because I was watching the game and I just couldn't stop laughing because they just and gave you, him terrible and, ball, he and he just too, beat like, everyone anyway. Like, they got so bad at NRL rest. level that it's yeah, like everyone you know, knew. You, you yeah. get done by, you know, having yeah. to cover the half and not knowing whether it's going it, inside it, out or there's a, you know, a runner coming to sweep from behind. But with that, it was yeah. like there was no one there. They're running at half speed. He's flat-footed. And it's like the under-sixes where they they actually like don't even pass the ball. Mm. They just kind of hand it to them. Yep. Like, you know where it's going. <laughs> so. it's, not a, it's not a bad idea. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, there was nothing clever about it. It wasn't like when you go, oh, our guys are off Cooper Cronk. They're going to score tries. And you always got on his edge back row, the right one at the Roosters in Melbourne and stuff. And, you know, it, it was nothing like that. They just gave him the ball in fairly average positions at half <laughs> half pace. It would be scary if he was playing off anyone decent. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think um, – once Ash Taylor gets back, he'll probably get a couple of better balls too. Because I'm not the biggest fan of Ash Taylor, but he's got a little bit of class about him. And the thing that's good about him too is, whilst he will have lower games, it, you never know when it's coming. Like he can still really put one on a good team, you know, like because he's just too big and hard to handle. And they might lose to Canberra, for example. They might not, but if they were to lose to Canberra 24-12, he could still get the 12. Like he's that sort of player. Um, and there's not really a lot of systems that can handle him. One of the things that will stop him from having too low a score at the moment that maybe wasn't as consistent before, uh, but it's there at the moment the first few rounds, he's averaging through three games 2.5 offloads almost per game and also averaging eight tackle breaks per game, you know, which is right up near the top of the NRL uh, as far as tackle breaks go. I'm going to... I don't want to say it because it sounds really dumb because they've got the same name, but (laughs) it's eerily similar to early Andrew Fafita. You know, like, it is very, very similar where even when Andrew Fafita played a terrible game of football, 
and didn't actually help his team a lot. Uh, he still got his tackle breaks and he still got his offloads because he was just that hard to handle. Uh, and David Fafita shaping up very, very similar to uh, to the former Fafita there. I agree. He he um he he makes tackle busts that often don't impact the game. He makes proper ones too, but he makes those ones where he makes no ground and shifts around five meters, but he's beaten three guys, and they just that, that's great for Super Coach. And if he's running making twenty tackles, jeez, uh, the amount of runs he really has to take with his tackle busts and offloads to make sure his base is fifty and not forty, or he's sort of you know base attack. It's not a lot. Loved owning him, and he won't be going anywhere until I see some serious signs of deterioration, and probably never, because mm. you can just put guys like Crichton and Madison and that around him this year. Number four is Aaron Walker. He's another one that I came, kind of gave people an excuse for online, um, because, you know, under the normal kind of super coach rules, young halfback coming in for the debut, um, it hasn't played one game yet, obviously, so you can wait and look for two weeks, and that's always the smart thing to do. I think it, it, there can be different scenarios, though, where you can opt to get him in this week, um, and I made the point that some people may need to free up cash. Um, I've got uh, Mitchell Moses as my second half. That looked like it was going to work out great, and obviously he can't foresee injuries, and... Because of that injury, it's just killed me on the weekend, but it's also meant that Mitchell Moses has a massive break-even. So if I decided to jump ship off Mitchell Moses because he's going to lose maybe 50000 this week, um, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to free up cash, save 50k that I would have lost by going down to Sam Walker and being able to upgrade another position and basically probably get, you know, a, a really good gun type of, um, type of center wing if I wanted to strengthen my center wing or, or whatever. So I think that makes some sense. The other difference with getting Sam Walker in at the moment is the Roosters have nobody left. So Trent Robinson will probably be the next halfback in line if Sam Walker goes down. Um, so I don't, I don't think these job security is going to be an issue as much, um, and especially because he's a baseline cheapie. So normally, Luke, you kind of hold off. Um, and I think that if you, if, if it's none of those reasons that you're doing it for, then I think you don't get him in yet. You have a look for a couple of weeks just in case, but. Um, otherwise, I, I can see a few reasons why people are jumping the gun a little bit early. Yeah, I, I would in your position. I'd trade Moses to him to avoid losing the money to him or or or, or Sean uh, Sullivan, but probably to Walker. But I I don't know that I'd trade Ben Hunt to him, and I assume that's what quite a few people are doing. I assume that's why he's on there because yep. that's the main halfback trade out, right? Um, he was the. Uh, I don't know that I'd do that. Um. I know that it's very tempting because you can improve your team elsewhere there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I think if you could do Schuster instead via whatever jewels and stuff you've got, I would. Um, if you can't, uh, I don't know. I'd, just, I, I'd still just rather wait because he can get hurt. Like, And it, things can happen. No, you're not, not going to play him, I wouldn't have thought. Um, I know he's talented, but you just don't need to play him at the moment. I, it, you're not, there's, there's, we've all got good enough teams. And, yeah, I, I guess people are going, I can't wait, hunt out, Walker in and using that cash to upgrade. I, I, look, I, I get impatient too, so I probably can't be too critical of that move, but I don't know if I'd go sight unseen on that unless you're super short somewhere because there's not any must-have buys that I can see this week that you absolutely have to get in. If you're doing it to get Munster or Walker because you have no six and you have to go hunt to to, to Sam Walker... Yeah, I'll probably problem, do that, given the who they're playing. That, um, um, people like Akira, that's about it, yeah. And Kiri is going to be, you know, their second halfback because, like, yeah, I mean, you, you held Nathan Cleary because he was out last mm, week. Kiri too, um, yep. Gotcha. You, you yep. got Kiri mm. in for the Roosters game. 
and then Luke Keary goes down and he's gone for the season. So you're going to have to make that trade eventually. And there isn't really a second half that you want to spend that money on. But you need to free up that cash, you know, because it's just suicide to leave, you know, half a million dollars sitting on the sideline in the early rounds. So I think that that's probably the position that some people are in as well. And even with um, with Ben Hunt yeah. to Walker, you know, a lot of people would have obviously kept Cleary. Um, and to leave that type of cash on the sideline can be pretty tough. Yeah, I forgot Kiri as well. Yeah, look, I, yeah, okay. With Kiri and Hunt, if, if that's what most of that is, those two going out, if you're using that to get Walker or Munster at six or, or something, maybe to sub to a gun center, yeah, I reckon that's <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, it makes I'll, sense. I'll, I'll I, retract probably, my view on that. Know, I reckon that's all right. people that are just doing it just to do it, yep. um, and I wouldn't be doing that yet. Kirk Capewell, number five mm. on the list. 4% of teams are trading him in. Gone up 37k this week, but he's still only 461,000 as a dual second row forward centre wing. So he is quite achievable to get in if you want to get on Cape. Now, I am going to specifically say this isn't backpedalling, just so if, if the catfish does listen to this podcast tonight, he can hear it. But I did say the whole time with Cape, well, <laughs> he's mud if he's not playing 80 minutes. Um, and, you know, the first two weeks he went 67 and 50 minutes, and I felt vindicated round two, and I even feel vindicated round one because he had a base of 36, and if he didn't go over for a last-minute uh, last RC line break try, it would have been terrible. But he did play 80 minutes on the weekend. Um, obviously scored 95 points, including the match-winning line break uh, try, which also had a few tackle breaks in there as well. Um, so, you know, he was headed towards a sort of 58-ish score until he did that. But you would take that in your centre wing. Um, and that's kind of what I expect from him if he's playing 80 minutes. I guess the, the big question about it, and the reason why I'm going to sound bitter, but I'm still hesitant to kind of go there, is because his minutes have gone, you know, 67, 50 and 80. And you've got guys like Kikau whose minutes are all over the shop as well. And it's starting to have a bit of a stench about it, this rotation in Penrith, that maybe the minutes are kind of going to be all over the shop all year. And if that's the case, you know, like if, if I had three games at Cape or playing 80, I'd swallow my pride and just get him now because that's fine. He can have chitty base and whatever and still get me 50s when he doesn't get any attack and that's cool. But if he's going to go back to, you know, a 55 or a 65-minute game or something, you know, here and there, it's, I think it's still going to really hurt him and you're still going to get those 36-point games and then all of a sudden he comes back to the pack of the other centre wings that you could have, the genuine centre wings that are going to have a higher ceiling, which is why I didn't like him to begin with. So... 80-minute capable, 100% on board, completely get it, 460k, decent price to get that in. I'm just not sure whether that happens. So how do you kind of see it? No, uh, I'm not interested in him. Um, they're going to do that all year. They did that all year when he had Peachy and um, – he had, like, yep. Peachy, Cartwright, and then someone like Elijah Taylor, and he would just rotate their minutes. When Last time he was at Penrith, over and over, and just go, oh, why is Peachy playing 50? Why is Cartwright playing 50? Why can't they play 80? Why are they rotating with Elijah Taylor? And that's what he did all year, and he's always been weird like that. He, he loves weird rotations, and, he, you know, he loves putting a lock into edge in the middle of the game and shunting stuff around. He's decided that Kate, uh, he's decided that Kickout's going to rotate his minutes when anyone with a brain would have him on the field the whole time, like... I don't care if they made the grand final. They did that in spite of the fact that they take kick out off the field, not because of it. And it's if they're going to keep doing that, that's what's going to happen. We're going to have this conversation in 10 weeks, and it's going to say 50 minutes, 80 minutes, 60 minutes, 
40 minutes, 80, 80, and then 50 again, and you're going to be like, next time he plays 80, he only got 58 because he didn't score, and he's not making that up when he plays 60 minutes. He's already had a couple of tries this year. Um, if he continues to rotate his minutes like that, he will not end up at the top of the centre wing count. He does have the ability to make us look stupid because he might just go on and start rattling off 80s, but that's a caveat. That's a risk with it. Look, if you if you were to believe that he's yep. going to keep getting 80 minutes and you're going to find some extra attack at Penrith this year because they're good or something, then it sounds like it's, it's fine. It seems like a decent trade. If that's your thinking, I agree with you. Even though I don't agree with your thinking, I agree with, you know, he's, he would be a good buy if that happens. I just don't think that's going to happen myself, so I'm going to stay away. Mm. I think, to me, risk-wise, that this is where I get that. At 460, to me, you got to look at your trades. You, we all run out of trades, and I like to bring in people that I'm not going to bring out. They're either cheap, and I'm selling them to make money, or I'm not getting rid of them. And Kate, well, I, I will pay, if he plays 80 minutes the next three or four weeks, I will pay 560 for him, no hesitation, and feel better about that than taking the punt now. And Because yeah. there's no evidence he'll get 80 every week. We have no reason to think that. I just don't want to be trading him in and out. That's how you lose. You get Kate Well in, you trade him out. You grab Peachy in and you're trading him out. And it just, it hurts you late in the year because you're still scrambling trying to get all these guys like your walkers you're talking about or your monsters and whoever else because you were dicking around with guys well, that a, you it's, hoped it's would do better than that's all. Yeah. Really last runs points. And we've all been called out and I've been called out several times yeah. where I've not liked a guy. I've still not liked a guy, and then a third game or a fourth game happens, and I relent, and I go, look, I still don't believe it, but everybody's doing this, and he's been good for a number of games now, so I'm just going to do it. And then I go and do it, and then I feel terrible, and then he looks terrible, and then he does something bad again, and he goes and averages 35 points over the next month, and I have to trade him out and make no cash and actually lose money. We've all got those stories, you know, and that's... It is the worst feeling in Supercoach when that happens, because you knew... And you got sucked in by the crowd and a couple of good games where, you know, they were inflated by tries yeah. or minutes or whatever happened to that specific player. So, yeah, it, it's all the signs are there with Capewell that that could be the case. Um, so I'm definitely going to stay away myself. Cody Nikarima. Number six. Halfback 5'8". <laughs> um, dual 520,000. Just went up yeah. 58k. Yeah. So... <laughs> If he was last week's price, it would actually be a lot more interesting, but 3.5% of coaches no. are trading him in at the moment. A pretty low BE, though, 15, and he actually did look a lot better on the weekend, I thought, in that mammoth mm. comeback with the Canberra Raiders, who cost me a massive multi, um, but uh, let's not go into that. So, Nicarima's numbers kind of low-key improved the last couple of years. I've never been a Cody fan, but... To give a bit of credit, you know, last year he went up to 52 points a game, which was 10 points better than what he was the year before, and he, he had a career season and he actually looked a lot better. This season so far, Luke, he went 74 points round one, 34 points round two, and 134 points against Canberra. Humongous effort versus Canberra. Um, that 134 is obviously going to stick around for a couple of price rises now after this week as well. So I can see a little bit of appeal. He's playing the Roosters this week, which I think, you know, I don't want to sound like a Roosters homeboy here, but I think we're getting written off a little bit too hard now. Like, I'm pretty down on our prospects, but we're just, we're still a good team. Um, I don't think playing at the Sydney Cricket Ground, the Warriors are going to go over and smash the Roosters or anything, and Cody's going to get another 100-point game. Um, so, you know, he's got a low-ish break even at 15. He's not heaps expensive at 520k, but it's not cheap enough to jump on. I'm not I'm not really seeing it other than sort of a panic trade um, where 
I was talking to some of the guys in one of our chats today where I mentioned, you know, some of the worst trades I ever make are when I say I've only got 525k to spend. Um, I can't get any of the guys that are more expensive and they're all the guys that I would want, so what's left? And I just inadvertently grab whatever was left because I wanted to trade, you know, and inadvertently 95% of the time that works out bad for you. Uh, and that's what Cody Nikarima reeks of this week, of someone not having enough money to go a walker or a monster. Yeah, it does. The, the Raiders <laughs> good, but um, they didn't have any players. Like they, they, they had no interchange bench for the last 65 minutes. Like I put this out there, and I hope I'm not offending any Warriors fans because I like the Warriors. Um, that was just such a silly win. I mean, like Canberra rolled them up to 20-something in front and just ran out of gas with no players. Like, they had no forwards on the bench. And the Warriors, like, Cody Nicarima started running over the top of them, like, with 15 minutes to go. He wasn't on that many points with 20 left, and they still nearly lost. I don't think they're a bad side, but I just don't think you can start taking things out of that game. Like, if he starts playing games where the team, the other team has to leave all their players on the field for the whole game, I'm into it. But... In the, in, that might happen via the Roosters because they have a fair few guys going off most weeks. But I, I wouldn't watch that game and think you've found, you know, the next immortal. I, I think that was a very weird circumstance. And we saw it happen again in the Cronulla Parramatta game. That was four all early. It was 10 4 not long after. And Cronulla went bang, 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 three guys off the field, four guys off the field in the first half and then got rolled. That's what happens if you run out of interchanges because that's just too big of an advantage. So he certainly has become a better player in the NRL now. But I don't I don't see it. I, I know, I guess people have gone Keery and Hunt and gone, if we get through the Roosters game, he's got Manly, St. George, Melbourne, North Queensland, Manly. That's a pretty good run. It, it, he could turn up on Manly or St. George or the Cows and Manly the next time. So I wouldn't do it personally. But you know what? If you have massive, massive balls and he's going to make some money i can see why you're doing it but uh, i just think again he's just disappoint. he just disappoints if you looked at this draw beforehand you'd go you know titans round one. Oh, cool he's going to score well there yeah but you would have said oh look if i could i would bench him at goa stadium mm. round three versus canberra and that was his 134 point game so i mean that, that's kind of what he is and you're you're looking very positively at the yeah. draw whereas i think another way that you should be looking at it is very short term, you know, it's only a BA 15, uh, which is decent, but it's not really low. In the next month of football, you could look mm. at this, well, two out of the next four are away to top four teams. You know, if you, if you still rate the Roosters, playing them at the Sydney Cricket Ground is going to be no picnic. Um, Manly and Saints is good, but then he's going to cop a flogging at Melbourne, potentially at Amy Park. So two out of the next four, you might not be happy playing him, um, and it might actually screw around with his BE enough that he doesn't actually make a lot of money. Yeah. If he had Manly this week, I, I could buy selling Kiri or Hunt to him and go, you know what? Let's see if he gets 100, goes big, and then I'll trade him to Sam Walker in two weeks. Like, I could get yeah, that yeah. as like, that a really odd move, like yeah. if, it, if it wasn't East this week. Look, I, I tell you a really good comparator, and the reason I'm flaky on guys like Cody Nicarima is I cut my teeth on blowing up <laughs> seasons by guy, buying guys like Chris Sandow when they put a run together. 
Um, is that like, like I'd always, when I started playing super coach in the first few years, I'd like start slow, build my way up into the top thousand and then like be like, you know what? Sando's been getting it done for a month now and he looks really good and get him in. And he, you know, he'd have had a ton of this and that and he'd be playing against someone busted. And then he'd score like, I once brought him in <laughs> off like a hundred and then a 50 and he scored a six and then got moved to fullback like that. And, and these, like, without being funny about it, that's the sort of player he is. You can't rely on him. He can go. 100 but you just don't know when and he can also literally score nothing and that's why when you back a draw on a James Tedesco he's got a floor like I don't mean a super coach floor on the field I mean an actual playing floor there's a level of player in the game that because of how professional they are and because of how good they are week to week they will get it done against weak teams because they just always play to this certain level um Cody's a guy who can have big games but he goes missing and it's not he doesn't just ride against low teams. He just goes missing sometimes because he's just not at that level as an NRL player. He's not a consistent top-level NRL player. He's a mid-tier guy with upside, Connor but it's, it's high risk. After him, and I'm I'm going to go out of limb and say he's played well enough where he's got a ton there now, the last game that's going to keep rolling at 374k. If he did miss a boat, I understand get, getting in there and um, rectifying that, so that's fine. Jermaine Asako is the next guy on the list, so and he's a bit more interesting because he's... One of those centre wings that you could say might fix your team. 430000 He's got a nice price point that you can bring mm-hmm. him in at. He's not going to cost you, you know, the hundred grand more that Brian Tuo is going to cost you and so forth. But Asako has gone the last two weeks scoring 80 and 114 points. That's really good. Um, but he's also done that against the Titans and the Bulldogs the last two weeks. The next two weeks, he's got the Storm and the Souths. Now, really, really hard matchups to bring him in for. Both of them are away as well. So he's going to Amy Park, and then he's going to ANZ versus South. It's not at Suncorp. And he's had a base even in the last couple of games of only 26, which for a fullback is a bit average. Uh, obviously, he's been hitting bulk, bulk attack. He's been goal-kicking as well. And the Broncos have been a bit better. Uh, it, it looked like the worst game in history, round three, with the Bulldogs-Broncos, 2-0 at halftime. We were making jokes about it being the, the 95 origin game where, where Fatty won 4-2. But the Broncos you know, went on a scoring spree and just started piling on the points. And that obviously helped Asako immensely. I, I don't want to sound like I'm heaps down on Asako. I think that I would be actually really up on Asako if it was different circumstances. But the problem is, Luke, he's got a minus 43 BE. So he's going to make cash. Um, I would ordinarily jump on something like that. But... My issue with it is that Osaka could go out and throw up a 20 against Melbourne and not much more against South the next two weeks. And then he's leaking cash already and you haven't really made that much. So it's, it's a little bit of a conundrum. I can see exactly why people are looking when I look at things like the break-even, the price point, and how he scored the last two weeks. Um, Osaka as a player I don't think is as good as what he's done the last two weeks. And the draw the next two weeks really sucks. So, you know, make that of what you will. I'm going to let you convince me what way to go here. Yeah, I'll convince you. If you've got him in reverse, your trades, it's a stinker. He's no, his draw, if you got on him last week, genius, really good. I had a brief look and I turned it down because I'm not that into him as a player. And if you got on him last week, great work because you've made 83K, he's got a negative 43BE, you're going to make more this week. You don't need him to do that well. But if you buy him now... You are, you are buying him to play him. He is 430k. He has, it's not just the next two weeks. He has Melbourne, South, Penrith, and Parramatta. I would put it out there and say he is not a play in any of those four games. He's not. Like, you, like, you may as well play David Fizzatua. 
as play him against the Storm because Fuzatua might score his first try of the year and get 50. He's basing 25-30. I don't see what you're doing this for. I, Melbourne, South, Penrith, and Parramatta. I would not be playing him in any of those games. He's 430K. You can get Valentine Holmes, who's now moved to fullback and is goal-kicking for 490. They have the... The Sharks, the West Tigers, and the Bulldogs as their next three. So you can have Valentine Holmes, former averager of about 70 at fullback, who just scored 70, has a lowish BE, nowhere near that low, but he'll make some money. You can have him play against Sharks, Tigers, and Bulldogs, or you can save 40K to play Jermaine Asako from the Brisbane Broncos, who were one game away from winning winning the record for the most lost games. like, And you can have him play against literally the top four. Being too yeah. polite, just to try and be yeah. impartial, I'm, I'm not into Osako, but it's I understand yep. the minus 43B, nah. the price point, and, and chasing the, the pass points. But like Luke said, if you started with him or you got him in a couple of weeks ago, well done, big clap. It's a very good move because that was a good draw and stuff and he obviously stepped up and it worked out great. I, I could not do it now. Um, Jaden Braley's an interesting one. He's still going great guns. He's just made 95000 this week. So makes me sick to the stomach that I did not start with him. But 450000 now, and you've still got a, a few percent of coaches trickling in and grabbing Braley. Um, now, obviously he's got three scores in a row that are all fantastic now. He went 86 to start the year, 90, and then 78 versus the Tigers. His base has not been below 50 as a raw base the entire time. His, his minutes have all been at 80. Uh, he's still got a minus 10 BE. So he ticks all the boxes aside from the fact that 450000 is a bit more money. I understand people jumping on because he looks very good. Uh, as a Knights fan, Luke, all the numbers say that he's very good. We haven't really seen this for a sustained period from him before, though. He's got a great draw coming up, unlike the guy that we were talking about in Osako before. So Jaden Braley now has the Dragons at home, uh, the, the Titans away, and the Sharks at home the next three weeks. And the Sharkies is a bit of a revenge game from leaving there, but also playing against his brother. So I'm sure that'll be pretty spicy. So the next few weeks for Jaden Braley looks pretty good. He costs a lot more, Luke. Would you be still going in and just saying you made a mistake, you're going to pay the premium? Oh, probably. Um, depends who you got at hooker. Uh, I would be tempted to not use the trade if you've got Watson. And and I don't know if I'd do Little to Braley. Uh, maybe because it's still close enough that you're not spending that much money from Little to Braley and you're going to make... Uh, I probably would. He's going to base 50 if he does nothing. They are playing off him to score tries. He is going to get a lot of Cameron Smith tries assists this year. He's done it already. They are playing for that. Like what they've tried to do last year, they were terrible in the 20 and they're a bit predictable and it's never been Pierce's greatest thing is unpicking un- a lock in that 20. And what they're doing a lot of is he gets out. They're not little shovel plays. He gets out, sort of looks out the back and plays short or takes the two steps, looks one way and goes the other. They're looking to get side, the, the two side. The, Jacob Saifidi hurt himself trying to score one. Um, Barnett scored one. Uh, Daniel scored one last week. Daniel Saifidi, they are getting their big bodies that can score those tries. We've got players set up to do that, and they are running off Braley to try and sneak cheap tries on teams that way as a way, just another point of attack. And it's working, and they're going to keep doing it. It's a play that I think we'll see all year where they'll go. They'll have Ponga when he gets back, or they'll all be set out at the back, and every now and then he's just going to do that little Cameron Smith simple-looking try assist near the line. So 
I probably would. He plays the bye. He's going to get you 50 anyway. When we start to play harder teams, he'll make 50 tackles. Like he made 50 or 60 v. the Warriors. When we, we had 45% of the ball, he made 60 tackles. So when we play teams that are going to make it harder, he'll probably make 10 more tackles and sort of make up for not getting the tries just a little bit. I, I don't love it because he is expensive, but I'm, yeah, geez, he's still looking good. Yeah, I don't mind going Braley at all. Um, I don't mind leaving it as well and not doing it. Let's move on. George Williams. Now, the Canberra halfback is the next most traded in on Market Watch. And what we spoke about at the very beginning of the podcast is that now you're getting people making a lot of different decisions and decisions that they weren't planning on making. And this is where things are going to really open up. And George Williams trade is the type of trade that's either going to really hurt you or, or really help you because he's obviously not hugely, hugely owned. 520k he costs. He's a halfback only prospect, but he has started the season exceptionally well. Now, obviously he was goal kicking as well, so that helped him. Jared Croak is back now, so that's probably going to leave him. But 77, 65 and 94 points, culminating in a 79 point average to start this year. Hasn't had one bad game. Now, the thing with that too, though, is that he did play the Tigers, the Sharks and the Warriors on the weekend. And mind you, they put a lot of points on the Warriors in that first half as well. In like a 20-minute period, they were scoring at will. So they have had a lot of points and a lot of opportunity. He has played well. Um, I get why people are looking. You look at the what what half's averaging the most points, and he's going to be right up there at 79. Um, but Gold Coast Titans this weekend to plumb match-up. He's got a BD of 23, though, which isn't that low. And then he hits Penrith, and then he hits Parramatta. Now... I'm going to put that as, as one of the in-between trades to me that I'm not going to make. Um, Barnsley, of a couple of years ago, if I was desperate, would have made them. Um, I would have tried to do it maybe halfway through to the end of a season as a bit of a pod play. This early on in the season, Luke, George Williams at 520000 in a half spot, taking up room there with a 23 BE. Um, I, I would expect that he might even start losing money again in two weeks, three weeks, especially without goal kicking. So he's a no for me, but it, uh, props to George Williams. He started the season on fire. Yeah, not interested. Got 77 the first week with two try assists and 20 points in goals. So that's a 57 with two try assists if he loses the kicking. So that's 57 with two try assists. The next week he got 65 with eight in goals and a try assist. So that's a sub 60 without the goals with a try assist. And the 94 has a try and a, and a try assist in it. Um, yeah, nah, I, I, He's a good NRL player. He's not going to end up at the top at the end of the year. He's got Penrith and Parramatta after this one. So, no, I, I think if you started him, and I've got a mate who started him, and I'm dirty on it because he's, he's killing it. But, um, no, I don't I don't think that, that that's one of the trades I'm talking about where you've either got to get guys that you dead set are going to keep all year or are going to make money. And I, I don't see that you're going to want him. Like, if you've got Cleary, you know, just wait and go down, go down, to, go down to a cheapie and – that's all I'd be doing. I'd be looking at Walker or Sullivan and stuff over the next couple of weeks and leaving it that. I don't think you need to spend 500k on Williams. I think there's another group of people that sold Nathan Cleary and they can't afford to get him back this week. So that's a really scary spot to be in um, because, you know, if you went Nathan Cleary to, say, Kiri and said, like, Kiri's killing it, um, I'm going to try and get Cleary back in a few weeks' time, and then Kiri obviously goes down hurt and you just can't find the room to be able to get the extra couple hundred thousand that you need now to get Nathan Cleary back in your side. Um, maybe that's why some people are looking at people like George Williams and Nick Arima. Really bad spot to be in, but...
But mm. I think that's where you've got to just be ruthless and also swallow your pride a little bit and just say, look, it was probably a mistake to get rid of Cleary. I'm just going to bite the bullet. Um, whoever I've got there at half that I need to trade to Cleary, I'm going to do it. And if I need to sacrifice somebody else somewhere else and, and weaken my team yep. in a second front row forward spot for a week or something, like if, if you've got a Welsh there um, and Welsh hasn't been setting the world on fire, get a hundred grand from there and, and just do it just to get Cleary back in your side. Because Cleary could easily you know, go ballistic this week as well, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So I'd be doing something like that rather than having to get a, a short-term fix like a George Williams in. Let's go straight into the straight into the game. So the Sea Eagles uh, versus Panthers is the first game. Now, Josh Schuster's there starting again. That's what we wanted to see. Um, that's really the main thing. Um, apparently, Tom Trebojevic is a week away. Panthers' side of things, there is some changes, though. So Edwards has got a busted hand. He's going to be gone for a month plus. Stephen Crichton is now at number one. Uh, Matt Burton is at centre. So this is really, really interesting changes for Penrith. Um, and I don't mean to brush Manly aside, but I'm going to because there's not really anyone in Manly that I'm interested in. So for me, Luke, the couple of players of interest, as far as positions go, Matt Burton might be good there, but at 350 plus K, I'm not going to buy him. Um, but Stephen Crichton is someone who I actually looked at for this game. If he's playing fullback for a few weeks, um, I can't do it because I don't really know how he's going to look there. But he is a try scorer and he's a guy that looks like he's going to be really good at fullback. So I mean, interested from a super coach perspective. He started off the season only averaging 46 points a game, but he's only 460k. You talk about Jermaine Osaka alternatives. You know, he comes up against Manly this week, which they could put an absolute score on. Um, Canberra a bit harder, and then he's got the Broncos after that. So a much better three-week run than what Osako's got for a very, very similar price tag at 460000 Obviously, we haven't seen him at fullback, really, so we don't we don't know how well he'll go. But I'm interested to watch him this week in this one. I, I think that he might actually be a bit of an extreme big balls pod play. Yeah, he, he should go pretty well. I've seen him play there in brief patches. He's got a lot of talent um, and that's the sort of opposition Manly and then in a couple of weeks Brisbane that you can cash in on that and he might even still be there when they play Manly again. That'll be about when Dylan Edwards might be coming back. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I won't be doing it but I don't I don't mind him there. Um, and the other one I think in there is just um, that, that just I think I'm so surprised he's not on the top 10. You've got Jermaine Asako in the top 10 and Oh, Nobody yeah. seems to be buying sort of Brian Thor or, or guys like that. If you need a centre, oh, get on him. Go and have a look at his scores, guys. He's killing. <laughs> he averages. He like he base stats more than Tino. He's <laughs> a weapon. Um, that's the one. And and I'm has someone who's bringing him in this week. Having Matt Burton play inside of him, except instead of Stephen Crichton, is the most exciting thing about the Stephen Crichton move because he's got glue hands, <laughs> the biggest glue hands since Peachy inside Mansour. So it'll um, that's another good one, I think. That for that, that looking through there, that's another change that I think has super coach implications that don't jump out straight away. Is that we've got someone who if they've got a two on one, is probably well, going to pass the ball. Um, can't wait. He's been getting mid fifties yes. base base attack. Yeah which is just crazy. It's been awesome because he's been getting heaps of tackle breaks with all these runs. He's like 23 runs a game. Obviously, this is the first game. I am expecting Manly to try hard, um, but ultimately, I'm expecting the Panthers to kill them. Surely, Cleary is the best vice-captain option we've had for a long time as far as first games go. Yep. Get it on. Don't think about it. Don't put it on anyone else. I think Manly will try hard, but Panthers will like wear him down and it'll be like a... 
kind of like that game the other week where it was like 24 nil and it felt like Penrith didn't really play well. Um, but I think it'll be something like that. As far as top sport bet this week, um, it's a little bit of a tough one because I, I didn't, re- I don't really like taking big, big lines. And you know they're like a minus 21 and a half start or something. Panthers, you can get Brian Tyler for a try and and Penrith to win. And you're going to get uh, well over two dollars in value, so that's huge. I reckon that's a almost a given. So I'm straight on that one. Uh, Bulldogs Rabbits is the next game. This one here we've got uh, Avrilo punted. So if you didn't sell him, you'd wish that you did. Um, <laughs> that's really going to sting. Um, and you got Nick Meany <laughs> at fullback, and Corey Allen pushed to the wing. So can we just take a second here? You know, like, a lot of people have spoken up Trent Barrett as a coach, and I, I really like him as an assistant coach. I don't think I've seen anything from him as a head coach yet. Um, and you paid money for Corey Allen to come across and got an early release for him and said he's our fullback and all this stuff. You know, a few games into the season, you're punting him to put Nick Meaney there. <laughs> yeah, Nick Meaney's not any good. Um, and, sorry, just if anyone in here was... Yeah, the amount of people in Newcastle who thought he was good for some reason is beyond me. He's no good. Um, no, Corey Allen's not that good either, but um, he was made to look pretty good last year. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, that, they're, they're, they're almost yeah. like, call their team list and say next. Like, there's nothing doing there. If nothing you doing. Uh, Latrell Mitchell or Cody Walker, do you VC one of them instead of Cleary this game? No. Um, I like to play the percentages a little bit here. I get where people are coming from with that. But Cody is relatively low-owned in the scheme of things. Like, if you look, like, because the Munster ownership's much higher and he he's not giantly owned, I would happily take the 100 or the 150 if it comes. What I don't want is to Cleary to go 150. Everyone else has a VC or C on him, and then Cody gets 100, and it hasn't got me anywhere because everyone else has doubled Cleary. That That's where... I see it. I, I like to play somewhat of percentages. I think when you've got guys like Cleary and Tedesco that everyone has and everyone is going to use, you can't risk them going 150. I, I That's how I see it. You, you're already getting Latrell. Most people have Pappenhausen and Teddy. Look, Cody is the – he's relatively low-owned for someone that good. Munster's ownership was about double a couple of weeks ago, and I think it still is. So I would – happily take the points or I would throw the C on them if Cleary doesn't get it done maybe I would think about doing that got three yeah. tries in his last two games yeah. and this is the start of the run yep. so I mean if you haven't bought him like I'm trying to buy him this week as much as I can but Schuster is probably going to stop a lot of people including me being able to do it he's got Bulldogs, Broncos, Tigers and Titans the next month of football You know, this is the magic mm-hmm. South run good time to have him, if you already got him um, I will say though that if you're looking at Cody Walker's max scores, um, he's actually the Bulldogs are actually tenth best out of sixteen teams on his max score list. You know, there's nine other teams that he's got bigger max scores against than the Bulldogs. So I'll counter that a little bit. I've watched them because I've owned Cook all the time and tried to captain him and got burned on the Bulldogs. A lot of those scores oh, were yeah. in that stupid <laughs> Dean Pay holding down era before the rules changed. The Bulldogs that were, there was there was a couple of years there where the Bulldogs were absolute experts at getting beaten twelve ten under those and, we, and like they'd have stuff like Lachlan Lewis who's back this week. So there's a, a guide of where the game's at. Um, he would like hold Sam Burgess down so long that Burgess was nearly punching him and and he would do it every tackle and they'd just keep getting penalised and penalised and they were giving away penalties and making this awful game, but they still couldn't win because they couldn't score a try. And that 
that era, there was a few South games where they I, I backed South players and they really stunk. Like they, they, and God, Captain Cook can get 40 and stuff. But I don't think that will happen now. I think under the new rules, teams are pulling away from Canterbury. I'm not watching it. I'm not going to watch the game. I don't want to. It's got to be <laughs> seriously, um, I don't have any South players, players and I'm not watching it. The Bulldogs it. <laughs> have also got Josh Jackson out, so he's an automatic sell. Uh, I would uh, 100% if you don't have Cleary, VC, uh, Cody or Latrell works out really well. I think that I agree with Luke. I'd, I'd consider a C on, on Walker if you're going to have the uh, the vice-captaincy for the first game on Cleary. On the top spot bet of the week here, South Sydney are giving a lot of points, minus 21.5 and $1.90. I actually think that's okay. I think they're going to do a number on the Bulldogs, and I'm taking that one for sure. And you can almost always guarantee Alex Johnson's going to go across the line. and $1.67, it's, it's pretty good value for him as well. So that's another one. Melbourne versus the Broncos, the next game, though. This one here's at Amy Park, which doesn't bode well for the Broncos. We've got mm. Ryan Pappenhausen back, so that's really going to help uh, a lot of super coach owners that got stung last week. Um, apart from that, everything else is basically the same. For the Broncos, though, very, very interesting. So we've obviously got Lodge back and Payne Haas back, so two front rowers coming straight into the side. But who are they at the expense of? Oh, Tavita Pengai Jr. on the bench. Now, I've sort of seen two ways to look at this, Luke. One of them was, oh shit, you know, I'm a TPJ owner and he's now a bench forward. That really sucks. What am I going to do? Especially if I bought him last week for, you know, 625k or whatever he was. That's that's really going to sting. But the other thing to look at, the glass half full approach is, well, Kevy's been too silly to play him any decent minutes anyway. So he's probably going to play the same minutes. You know, 59 minutes, 52 minutes and 39 minutes. The 59 minutes last week was great. Uh, but the, the two weeks to start off the season, he still scored 79 and 100 points in his 39 and 52 minutes. Surely Kevin Walters is not bad enough to not play Pengai Jr. 50-plus minutes. Mm, I <laughs> don't ever believe that rugby league coaches are not bad enough to do things. Um, yeah, I'd just like to point out how big of a buy <laughs> Wilf thinks he was, and now he's behind Matt Lodge, so just putting that out there. Um, I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess if you own him, you've got to wait and see. And if he plays anything under 50, you've got to jump off because the, the PPM can't hold it under 50 minutes. Like, nobody plays less than 50 minutes and is a keeper. Um, like, full props to his 28 points in off <laughs> in round one. That's, like, more points than most people make in hit-ups. But, um, it's like, it, yeah, you've you got to think that that can't hold and that the 12 in the next two weeks is probably more realistic. Uh, I'd like... Just wait a week and have a look. I don't think there's much else you can do, but there's not much else of interest. I think what will be interesting, we want to see how many minutes Haas plays. That's the big one because everyone goes, oh, Haas is back. You've got to get on him quick. Well, they spoke about cutting his minutes down in the preseason. Um, he might still do more in those minutes because I very much believe he was pacing himself last year. I watched him and he was almost knowing he had to stay on the field. Andrew Fafita used to do that. Andrew Fafita in 50 minutes did more than he did in 70 because at 70, he used to go, i got to be on the field for 70 and he'd hang back. And I saw a bit of that from Haas. So he might still be all right if his minutes drop, but I don't think we're going to see him play 80. And we need to get a big watch on that to see if he's actually still the alpha front rower yeah, really or whether we can stick with some of our other guys. TPJ, there's a few guys that are real outliers at the start of the season. Like we've got some really high-scoring players which I don't want to say hasn't happened in the last few years. It, it definitely has, but I don't know if we've had as many. Um, and TPJ is averaging 87 points a game. 
Like, that is huge mm. for the first few rounds, especially considering he's averaging 50 minutes a game. So it's it's going to be really interesting now they've got a hard draw. You know, I don't see Melbourne uh, letting that amount of offloads. I don't see Penrith doing it either. South Pack might let a few more, but they really muscled up last week. Captaincy and vice-captaincy options. Um, this is a round that just gives us way too many options, but I love it because it's really going to separate a lot of teams. You're not going to see... 30% of people on Teddy, you know, 30% of people on Cleary, um, because there's too many other options. Like Ryan Pappenhausen is a phenomenal option against this Bronco side, who opposing fullbacks on this Bronco side, they score great. Uh, opposing fullbacks carve them up. Teddy scored a million points against them last year. Um, but obviously, Cam Munster actually low-key has scored well without getting bulk attack. Like most of his attack has actually been a few line breaks and a try. He hasn't actually been getting bulk try assists or anything. Um, so 86 last week, 59 and 71 the other two weeks. Uh, been scoring well for his 72 average. This looks like a week where he could get, you know, two try assists, two line break assists, a couple of forced dropouts and a line break try himself. You know, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a Munster 145 clinic. Yeah, he hasn't got a try assist at all and he's averaging, what, 72? It's not bad. Um, yeah, I, I think... If Cleary doesn't give me something with the VC that I need to take, I, I'm going to have a think about Munster or Pappenhausen, I think. Um, or maybe, you know, what more to the point, I don't have Walker or Cook or Latrell, and if Cook and Walker, and I, if I don't own them and they go big, I'm probably going to chuck it on Munster or Pappenhausen because I think more people will be on Teddy. Um, so I, I think that's where, if I think I need a real jolt, I'm going to throw it down and, and go, I hate taking it off Teddy. <laughs> I'll throw it down and put it on Pappenhausen or, or Munster because I reckon they're red hot. But probably Pappenhausen. I see everything you see with Munster, but Pappenhausen's going to kick goals and they're going to score 20 or 30 points on them. So he's already going to get a floor off that. And I reckon they'll be pissed off. They're, they're one from three. They don't lose many games like they did last week. You know, like on the bell like that, they're the masters of those tight games and they didn't win it. Yeah, I reckon they're going to be pretty fired up. Giving a lot of points on top sport. Um, you need Melbourne to win 20-plus. They probably will, but I think that I'd rather just go for the straight bet of Josh Adokar to score a try, $1.60. He didn't score for the first two rounds, um, so almost went three weeks in a row uh, before getting his try last week. I think he's going to back it up with a try this week at $1.60. That's not too bad. Uh, the next game after that Storm Broncos matchup is the Sharks versus Cowboys. So we certainly go down a level in quality. Um, as far as options for Supercoach go. The Sharky side, Wade Graham and Will Kennedy both been named, but they had concussions last week. They got a pass for. Brindacor is suspended, so Teague Wilton's starting, but he is around 250000 so he's not a bottom dollar cheapie. Cowboys side of things. An interesting back row here. We've got Shane Wright and Ben Condon in the back row. Condon is making his debut for this season. Going to be a watch, but aside from that, there's a few other shufflings, including... Ben Hampton now starting at number seven. Oh, it looks so terrible, Luke. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a good day for the game, I, I isn't it? could be really positive and go, wow, Ben Hampton, the ultimate utility. He can play wing, he can play fullback, he can play seven, he can play hooker, he can go everywhere. But if you're playing Ben Hampton at seven, like, you can oh, play I was keen on Valentine Holmes as well. Um, and he then can, when I saw Hampton yeah, at seven, yeah. I was like, oh my God, like, this Cowboys attack could be awful. He might not even get the ball, Val. 
Well, frankly, Clifford wasn't that good in the first place. He's terrible. So um, I don't think it – like, honestly, it's barely a step down from how bad Clifford is. I think you could do worse and have a look at Val, but I they have a really good draw after this week, and I reckon it might be – maybe if you don't desperately need to go there this week, maybe it's worth waiting a week and just seeing what this looks like because – there's a lot of changes there, and there had to be, but Peyton is shitting the bed up there bad. Um, he's, I was really keen to see how he went, but he, he, this team he started the year with was ridiculous, like, and the strategy was ridiculous, and he's just backpedaling now, like all hell, with four rounds into the season, and suddenly every, the side they always should have had with Val at the back is there, drink orders where he should have been, but now he's booted the half back out. And the whole edge back rows off the field. Been running a strategy. Yeah, he, he's in trouble up there. Yeah. I don't want to be down on him, but like I wasn't a fan. Like I thought that he was getting a lot of props and accolades for the job that he did with the Warriors, just because it was a feel good story last year, um, and all the sacrifices they made and all that stuff, and they played hard and everything. Mm. But how much of that is actually, you know, Peyton is a real first grade coach? Like I really doubted. The Warriors have had runs before. He coached the Warriors for yeah. half a season. How many times have we seen the Warriors have good half seasons? They're the specialists of good half seasons. And I'm not knocking the work he did, but it's a fact that the Warriors have made runs since the beginning of time. And the COVID season was shortened and he came in half, you know, not halfway, but in, you know, mid season. So he got them and he did well with them. And that's great. But I'm, I'm not going to write him off yet, but he's done everything wrong since he got there. He's played their best play, their best players in the wrong positions. He's decided that the best strategy to get the most out of his team is to get the only world-class player they have off the field and doing less of the things that he's good at because he's only good at running the ball and he wants him to run the ball less and he wants him on the field less. And he's played everyone where they shouldn't play, and it's shown. I mean, the hammer at centre is just ridiculous. A battle on the wing is stupidity. They looked much better when he moved to fullback last week. Drinky's a 5'8 these days. He's not a world-class fullback and, you know, Clifford's no good, but Ben Hampton's no good either. I, it, you know, it's a it's a schmozzle. I, I was keen on Val as well. I'm talking myself out of it looking at the team. I, I still think he's worth a look because they got pumped last week and he still looked good, but just maybe let, why don't you have one week to have a look at how they look on the Sharks and if he looks good, then when they've got the um you know they've got the tigers and the bulldogs so you can probably afford to say yep I've seen him now he looked alright that's two weeks yeah, at fullback like well. and you can make your call good. maybe wait a week. I thought about our homes for this week and I might still do it because it is like the revenge mm. game against the sharkies and all that stuff and the sharks aren't very good I just don't trust the coach and it's weird like this there's, there's a few things that really irk me about NRL coaches and it's the fake stuff. They come in and try and they, they make changes because they think they have to make it look like it's their team. So they make changes just for the sake of making changes and they make them stupid and weird because that's their imprint on the team and that's them showing it's their team. But it's just dumb. It makes no sense. You know, but it's like, it's almost, it's like going in and puffing your chest up when you don't even need to. You know, it's, it's crazy. And then there's the other thing where, you know, you become a head coach, so you have to scowl and look angry all the time and pretend that you're pissed off and, like, never be nice to anyone. Like, it's just these couple of things that these guys do. And it reminds me of when you used to play footy and there used to be, like, some aggro forwards that you didn't want any piece of at all. Um, But then there was other guys that you knew you weren't going to get belted about because they'd just go out there and put on an angry face and pretend that they were aggressive and stuff, but they were nothing. 
You know, it's all a bit of an act. And it's sort of, you get these head coaches that kind of throw that on. They put this facade on. Yeah. They make changes for this. And they, it's like, mate, you, you've done football a long time. Just, mm. just go and coach. Go and do the smart things. Like, you know, and I feel like they're giving him a lot of outs as well because a lot of people are saying it, it wasn't his team. But like you pointed out, like it might not have been his team, but he's still got some pieces there yeah. that he's getting like 50% out of because he's not using them right. Yeah, I, he's reminding me of Mick Potter. That's the one I keep thinking of, who went to the Tigers, puffed his chest out and started <laughs> roasting Benji Marshall and wondered why it didn't work out when Benji was the, Benji was like the golden boot sort of best. You know, there was a time quite a while there where Benji and Thurston were spoken about in the same breath in the middle of their career. And it was then, and he went in there and puffed his chest out and started really hacking Benji about his attitude and everything. And then wondered why he didn't end up coaching the Tigers very long. And that's what's happening there. He's gone up there and decided to start calling out Jason Calmelolo's <laughs> like lateral movement. Like anyone gives a shit. Like he's the best forward, like he's the best forward in the world. Make other people tackle. You know, I won't get too much more into it, but he, he, he's blowing it up there. And you're right. He seems a bit crazy. So maybe that puts you off foul, but I think. They're out of options. If they're playing Hampton at halfback, it's hard to come up with scenarios where Val is no longer at fullback. You know, Morgan's not coming back soon. I think he will be safe there for a while, but let's just, yeah, maybe just look and let's see how they look this week. 70 and 61 <laughs> the last two weeks. 70 at fullback, yep. which is what we kind of expect from him and why I had him as my number one buy in the preseason at center wing at 520k. Um, so I'm, I'm very much in the frame of buying him. I think the Cowboys will win yep. this week. Um, I think they will get a bit of a bounce back, but I think it might be a real ugly one. As far as the top sport bet of the week goes, it's going to be to stay away from this game. I gave you a double the last game to bet on instead of this one, so just do that. Um, Titans Raiders is the next one. Uh, Big Tino is starting a prop again with Peachy at lock. That's the biggest interest for the Titans side, I think, for Supercoach. Raiders side of things, they were killed with injuries last week, but Almost everyone's been named. Um, Tappany's out, but Hudson Young's been named. Um, Ryan Sutton's starting at lock. Um, and we've got Curtis Scott out, though, with his ribs. A lot of different things happening, but it looks like guys like Ryan James, who we thought might be out, are going to play. So that's great news. A couple of interesting things in this one, though, Luke. Let's start off with the, the Titans very quickly. Tyrone Peachy. Now, he... Is a bit of an enigma. He's done this to us before because he's forever and a day been like a centre-wing, second-row jewel. Um, and every time I've bought him, he's just burnt me. But he's gone 55, 58, and 79 points. But last week, he was named at lock for the first time this year. This week, he's lock again. I think it's a little bit deceiving because like, everybody, including me, gets carried away when guys get named. Um, and at 442k, you kind of think, oh, I can throw him in at centre wing, and he's going to do well there as a starting 13. He only played 43 minutes last week, which is less than the two games that he played off the bench, which were 44 and 49 minutes. So there's a degree of thought that his minutes aren't actually going to be that good. They're still going to be similar to what they were on the bench, uh, and in which case, he's going to have some really dud games, um, especially with his PPM of the past. So at the moment, to give you an idea, he's got a 1.41 PPM, um, and the four years prior, he averaged about 0.65. So he's doing more than double. That's not going to continue. And in 40 minutes, 
Um, I'm not interested, but I know a lot of smart super coaches think the opposite of me on this one and are really into Tyrone Peachy this week at 442k for their centre wing. I, I, no, not at under 50 minutes. I, when he was named at lock, I went, oh, he scored well on the weekend and looked good, so I'm going to have a look. And I went, oh, I'm going to play 43 minutes. That's not enough. Uh, it can't take a starting. That's just plotter territory, that amount of minutes. Over those three games, which he played middle forward for all of, these are his points in tackle bus. Four in the first week, so he got a 55 with four in tackle bus. No tackle bus the second week, and uh, 16 in tackle bus the third week. So a big outlier there. Offloads, four, zero, zero, and nothing in the ineffective offload. So I guess what I'm getting at there is that his his runs have been about 17 to 20, his tackles have been 20 in two weeks and 30 in the other. So you're looking at about 40, 35 to 40 max. And he's not making more – he's only made more than four points in tackle bus once, and he's only thrown an offload once. So he's not offloading. He's not busting that many tackles, and his basing scores are under a point a minute. So his 58 has a try assist and a line break assist in it. And then the Cowboys won. He's got two line breaks and a try assist. You're asking him to set up a try every week to get to a good score. If he was basing 35 and then also making like David Fafita tackle bus, like if he's averaging 10 points in tackle bus and throwing two offloads a week, that would get you to 50. And then you go, yes, I've got 45 to 50 base and he can set up a try now and then. But you're, beg- you're begging him to get into the 50s by setting up a try on that, on those stats to me. I, I can't have him. I'm interested, but I, he's going to burn you. How do you see this one going? Because I, I think that the Raiders really got stung last week, and I don't know whether that's going to affect them this week or whether they have a big bounce back week, but I'm going to back them too. Um, and Top Sport have the Raiders at $1.67 at the moment. Um, so I've already jumped on that one, and that's my Top Sport bet of the week. I might go to the Titans. I, the, the Raiders were abysmal against Cronulla. They they really looked bad. After they got a long way in front and really struggled their way home. And the way last week happened, that's a sapping one for me because they had all their players go off the field and made this inspiring charge to get in front anyway where everyone lifted and they got way out in front and they got mowed down. It's different to a backs-to-the-wall Everyone went down when you're in front and you held the lead. They did all the hard work, got in front, and that would be really deflating, I think. Right, so we got the Knights versus the Tigers as the next one. Obviously, Best is out. I'm assuming that Blake yeah. Green will come on. Kurt Mann will come into the starting side pre-game, and Kurt Mann will go to the bench. He might come in. That They were hesitant about playing Green. He's due back this week, and he actually was the trainer last week running on and about. He looked... He was running pretty freely and well, so we might see him. I think Green, will. he may start off the bench because they want to be cautious, but he's going to come on at 5'8", and all the talk in the preseason was that uh, O'Brien wanted to move to the small ball lock forward. We have two guys to do it, and he saw Watson and Mann sharing that role. So I can't tell you whether Green will come on, whether Watson will finally start, and Green will come on, Mann goes to lock, and Watson goes off for a bit, or whether... Man will go off and then come back on later for Watson. I'm not sure, but I think that will be the strategy. The other one in this game, or there's probably two things. So the Kurt Man Green thing is that Watson, we now have to watch those minutes. If Man does start playing lock, we have to watch where they go, but I don't believe they'll be impacted. I think Watson will get 50 and Man will get whatever he gets. I don't think that'll change, but it is a watch now. You do have to have a look because Kurt Man 
from partially this week and definitely next week is going to start playing some minutes at lock forward. So we need to see how that goes. The only other one is Mitch Barnett. Is Mitch Barnett is in doubt to play this game. So keep that's another reason to keep Ryan James in your thoughts is that you may need a late in for Mitch Barnett. He's been given until Saturday to clear a calf injury as of tonight. So um, don't captain him. He probably... There was probably enough good options this week that you didn't need to, but he still is a good option against St. George. Um, don't try and get clever and play the pod and ignore the halves to do it because he will be given till Saturday. You should have time to then work out if you need to play a Ryan James or do something else. There isn't a lot to cheer about for the Dragons, but Clunhardt's um, mm. gone for four to six weeks. Clune comes in for him. Bird is out as well for this one. So they're actually a little bit thin, the Dragons. Um, but one thing that did happen last week is the return of Lomax, who I'm interested to look at for this game. So we're looking at, you know, center wing options. And Zach Lomax is someone who hasn't been spoken about much because he started off so expensive. Um, and then he, he came out and scored 40 points in round one. And no one was really too interested, so they sort of stayed away. He scored 92 points against Manly. Obviously, he's a goal kicker. Was one of the best centre wings to own last year as far as the pure centre wings go. So 593k, he's down to with only a 52 BE. Still a bit too pricey, um, but he's one of the more premium options that um, has proven in the past he can keep going on good runs and he's a goal kicker as well. So I, I'm having a bit of a look at this because he's gone 92 and 64 the last two weeks, and your backs, I think, are the you know. Yeah, the, the worst part of your team is just center wing spots. So I'm kind of liking Zach Lomax this week. Yeah, he should score well this week. Um, with Hunt out, he's a guy where he, I, I'm going to hope that with Hunt out, they struggle to feed him the ball. He plays on Hunt's side of the field because after, if we can keep him quiet, he's then got Parramatta, then the Warriors, then the Roosters. So there's a couple of tougher games there because he he's available at, Round 13, he plays the bye. So if we can get him in at, you know, round eight or nine's the Tigers, Bulldogs, and then right before the bye, he's got the Sharks, Tigers, and then the Broncos in the bye round, where they're even as bad as the Broncos are, they'll probably have a couple of origin players like Haas and that. So, um, it's one where I'm hoping that without Hunt, we start to see a couple of 40s and we might be able to really jump on him because there's, um, you know, if you could run into like Bradman Best, Lomax and Tor, always your centers for that first buy. Um, and Lomax gets the, the Broncos, that'd be pretty tasty. Top sport better of the week. I'm yeah. just going to take Newcastle minus three and a half for a dollar fifty eight. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about them anymore. I'm, they're dead to me. You're going to lose to the West Tigers. Um, they should still beat that team. Their forward pack should be good enough. But, look, they need some troops back. They really do. Well, speaking about players out needing some back, Roosters versus Warriors is the next one. I have Lamb and Kiri both out. Uh, both of them are obvious sells. Um, Sam Walker and Hutchison are in at the halves. Victor Radley's starting at 13 straight away. Um, Collins is missing as well, though, and so is Fafida after that stupid brain step. So he's replaced on the bench by Ikevalu. So it's really interesting. The bench has Ikevalu on it, then three forwards. But I would be very surprised. I really think that what they're going to do is that Ikevalu is going to come on. Joey Manu is going to push to six. Um, Hutchison's going to come onto the bench, and Morris is going to move to centre to accommodate Ukavalu. I really think that that's going to be the lineup. really think that there's like a 90% chance that, uh, that Manu's the six because Hutchison trained all year to be the backup nine as well. Um, and Freddie Lussick 
really can't go 80, and he kind of struggled last week. Freddie Lassie can't really can't go 20. He's terrible. Um, they they that looking. There's no way they're going to line up like that. They, they at the very least they would either have to bring one of the extended reserve players is a hooker. That they either have to bring him in for Kavalu or they have to swap the team up. So Hutchinson's on the bench and Manu's at six. There's no that I could almost bet you anything that they're not going to play without a backup hooker. You know, really, it doesn't matter too much for James Tedesco. He's going to be good anyway. Um, we get a good look at Sam Walker, and, you know, I'd be thinking about getting off Morris if he's at centre particularly, but we just have to wait and see. You don't need to make that decision this second, I don't think. If you've brought him in, I'd probably wait. I already alluded to it, but I thought the jumping the gun, yeah. like how bad the Roosters will be. Like, and I was initially on it. Like, you know, it's it's going to be very hard for us to get to a grand final, whereas before I thought we had a good shot at doing it. I, I don't, we probably can't now. Um, but, you know, I still think we're in the running for the top four. Um, and I still think we're one of the better sides. And it's kind of being overstated because, you know, Lamb, Lamb could have got dropped any week at the moment anyway, and he's gone anyway, so it makes no difference to us. Um, it really is just Kiri, and, you know, it's a big, important part of the team, but he is just one player. And Trent Robinson is a guy that, that has systems in place. You know, the other guys have to fit into his system, and they all know it well. And one of the things with Robinson is he's very big on development, and having guys that can cover other positions and stuff. And he makes them do it so they become better players. He did it with Angus Crichton playing some minutes in the middle. Um, he did it with Latrell playing minutes at six before. And in the off-season, Joey Manu was, was training as a six. So he's already been training that in the off-season and knows the plays and so forth that he needs to in that structure. So he's actually someone who sort of becomes a bit interesting. He's got a lot better, Joey Manu, than, than what he normally does. Like I'm normally very off him, but in the first three games... He's gone 73, 56, and 61 points, um, averaging 63. So 508,000, BE of 61. He's all of a sudden looking pretty interesting, and he's looking a lot busier. So he's a he's the one that I'm watching in this one for the Roosters that I'm interested in. If he goes to six, I'd be keen to see what he does there. Yeah, no baseline, so we just need to wait and see what he does, but I'd be keen to see it. Yeah, the Roosters aren't going to become a bad team. They probably move from their range, move from one to four, and a comp winner to... They can't probably yep. win the comp, but they're probably still three to three to six. But it's really just eyes on you. It's all about Sam Walker there. We've got to have a look at what he does and whether he can still feed Crichton, feed Tupanua and those sorts of guys. And, and, and you make informed decisions on that later. But Tedesco's going to be fine. Morris, mm, wait and see. Tupanua, maybe Crichton will be fine. You know, it's just, we just got to watch, I think. Don't panic anything this week. You know, Sam Walker's a very talented young kid. He could come in and do really well um, because he's got veteran good players around him. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone like a Tupanua mm. gets a very good ball from Walker because he is that type of halfback yeah. as well that can do that. On the Warriors side of things, they've got Peter Hiku out, so Marcello Montoya comes in. Uh, but they had a great comeback last week. I thought they were pretty poor in the first half, and they're going to be playing at the Sydney Cricket Ground. I like the Roosters in this one, but I'm a Roosters supporter, so everyone will say I'm biased. But I think that we could go pretty well. Um, I'm someone who's not worried about James Tedesco at all. I think that he's a, a real captaincy option in this one. I think that his usage is going to be way up. I think he's going to be trying now to be skinned to try and make up for Kiri not being there and the fact that Sam Walker is not going to be able to do a lot his first game. So I think he'll have more usage than he's ever had this game. And against that opposition, Luke, of the Warriors, you know, Tedesco probably does really well. You know, I... I'm backing him to beat last week's score. I think he's at least an 80-plusser. 
Yep. I, I'll put the captain on him pretty comfortably. I, I'll, it's just a matter of whether I prefer Pappenhausen on Brisbane, but I'd like him comfortably. I'd have him as captain for sure if Melbourne weren't playing Brisbane, and it's going to be a bit of a coin toss, to be honest with you. Quick shout-out to my boy, Adam <laughs> Fanua Blake, who is averaging 65.3, just so you know, trending north and is in my team. Um, going well. Fanua Blake started off pretty well <laughs> in his first few games. All right, I'll pay you that one early. You got that one. Good work. So Sean O'Sullivan, he's getting a bit of talk at the moment at about 230k. Now, he's close to 60,000 more than a Sam Walker. They're obviously going head-to-head here, and they're also going head-to-head as super coach options. How do you sort of see them head-to-head? I mean, to me, Sam Walker's a better buy because he's 40,000 less, uh, and he's got very good job security. Uh, and I think that he's more talented because he's certainly not been an O'Sullivan that's had to bounce around and stuff and try and get injuries to get his job. Um, but there has been a few people going for the more seasoned O'Sullivan. Nah, I think you got to go Walker with the caveat that this is one of the reasons I wouldn't do either this week. Uh, like, I don't... Walker probably shouldn't be that highly bought, is that, uh, you know, Sullivan's had a good start. So if he puts 100 on this week and you've traded Walker in this week, you know, you've probably got to be on him, you know what I mean, next week. Like, it's you can't do it if you do that, but leave your options open. Like, I think... We don't know what happens yet, and this is why I wouldn't go early on them. There's two options there, and whilst I agree Walker's the one, if you've got neither, Walker could get 20 this week, and if, like, O'Sullivan gets 100 and he's kind of a 70 and 100 at 230 and a huge neg, you can get on that and ride that a week or two and Walker won't have moved too much. You know, you know, like, there's just – I just wait. I agree it's probably going to be Walker, but there's no need to choose. Top swap end of the week, Roosters dollar forty seven. I love that. Like it's it's a bit low odds, but I think it's good enough to make some good cash out of. But if you want something a bit juicier, James Tedesco to lead by example, score a try anytime, two dollars twenty three. That is phenomenal. Love them both as bets on top sport. Tigers Eels were gonna finish off on the round. And Tigers have got no changes, funnily enough, because they played well to get the win. Um Eels though. We've got Ryan Madison back in the side. Mm. My halfback, Mitchell Moses, has recovered after his 26-minute stint, so that's nice to see. Um, and uh, <laughs> Bryce Cartwright, the Cardi Party, is on the extended bench. Oh, massive. Sanks has already got him in his side, I heard. Big so. watch. Big watch. God, that's a good extended bench. Jordan Rankin, Keegan Hipgrave, and Bryce Cartwright. <laughs> this is, well, a, it's also... That, like you don't the, lose anything there the, if the they get some guys go down. All-time party squad <laughs> as well. The reunion's back. For those three, yeah, definitely. for the Tigers, uh, I'm yeah. I'm not too excited about any of these guys, but one that I am watching, you're going to vomit about because I know that you're not a fan. Uh, and I said preseason that the Tigers are about to hit a run where if Adam Dewey's kicking five eights go down or there's a there's a, a segue over to him, I wouldn't mind jumping on him for a bit of a plug and play. He scored 90 points on the weekend, mate. So you know you can hate all you want. Mm. He didn't look good at all. He just fluffed points. He, he is a terrible player. Any, anyone who thinks he's good, give yourself an uppercut. What are you watching? He's so slow. He, he looks like that guy in the local league. There's always this big guy in the local league who's sort of slow but big and just a bit better than other amateurs, and that's what he looks like. He's not fast enough or, you know, he just, yeah, he didn't look good against the Knights at all. He was plodding around the field. He points. stuffed the attack up so much, and he just happened to throw... 
he just happened to throw a, a bad pass here and there. That I'm serious. Like he just happened to throw the pass like after in the fourth set they'd have in a row or something, set up a try. But he is they will never go anywhere while he is playing five eight. I I'm actually yeah, going to be watching it, him because he plays around thirteen as well. You know I know how much you hate him, but after this Parramatta game, he's got the Cowboys South, which is harder. Yeah, Manly Dragons Titans Knights. Warriors, Dragons, plays in the bye. So yeah, look, I just think he's a daily fantasy sport play. Like you could get a hundred on a week, but uh, fullback five eight. Like there's no space for if you've got space for Adam Dwayne at five eight or fullback, you're playing the game wrong. <laughs> you're playing. You're playing about thirteen five eight. So you're playing Walker. You're playing Schuster. You're playing Munster. Now you're playing Adam Dwayne. Like, it's thirty five eight. You don't have <laughs> I am going to be watching Ryan Madison with interest. He's got a, a break even of around 130. Um, I'm going to be looking at buying him back in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to have to plan for that one. Big call for this one, mate. I reckon Clint Gutherson yep. is going to turn up to spite you as well. So he's one of your other favourite players. I told you last week he was going to go well, but he only hit the mm, 80s. Yeah. Um, this week's the week against the Tigers. Uh, he's a good play. Yep, yep. He's a good play. Uh Tex Hoy just got a hundred on him. Um, th- yeah, I, I don't mind that. I I'm, I don't have any Parramatta reels, so I'm not particularly keen on the fact that I have no South players or Hills players. Uh, Gutho will go well. You play Sevo if you've got him. Um, Fergo is another one where that's another Jermaine Asako alternative. He's cheaper than Jermaine Asako, and he has a really good draw, and he's basing well. He plays the Broncos again before round 10. He's got the Tigers. He's got another week game coming up soon. I, I don't see why you would buy Jermaine Asako to play the entire top four when Fergo's there. Fergo's a really good shot for some points. Um, obviously, Junior Paulo will go well. Matto. I'm going to have a big watch on too. I'll be getting him back soon. Um, the big watch will be Mitch Barnett, is that you'll be able to make money on a Barnett to Madison trade in a week or two, in about a fortnight, if Ponga was to come back and kick goals. If that happens, you could not make that trade for me fast enough to make money on that, because we'll be in a position to do that in a fortnight. Well, aside from that, my boy Sebo's pumped for this one too. He came in and got no try round one. And we said that he couldn't go too long without getting one. And he got a double in round two and one in round three. So all of a sudden he's got three tries the last two weeks for scores of 77 and 67. Uh, that's my top spot bet of the week for sure. Um, aside from the fact that the Eels are going to win this one, uh, I don't think that you can go past Mike Azevo scoring on the um, on the West Tigers. So to score a try any time is playing at $1.71 on top sport. That's fantastic value. Um, best value in market. Checked five other bookies. They didn't have it anywhere near $1.71 for him because he's going to do it against the West Tigers this week. And I reckon Paramount is going to win too. Big balls pod play, Luke. I'll finish off on I already kind of said it, but if you're really, really desperate and a head-to-head only player, Clint Gutherson's a great Hail Mary, I reckon, coming off 87 points last week against the Tigers side that, like you said, Loves to give opposing fullbacks a lot of points. Yeah, it's not a bad pod. So that's the podcast. So thanks for coming on again, Luke. For those that don't know, Luke is co-host of the Rugby League Cemetery podcast, which is a fantastic one. Just talking footy, no super coach stuff, just reviewing old games and everything. It's a lot of fun. So if you haven't seen that one, um, check it out. But go on great guns on the cemetery, Luke. Cheers, mate. Yep, come and give us a listen if you like hearing about old games. We've got everything from the 70s to the 2000s, and the podcast goes for longer than the games we're reviewing. So if you've certainly got a lot of time. And... <laughs> Cheers, mate. Give the cemetery a listen, guys. You'll really enjoy it but thanks for listening to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast once again this week do download or stream us either via SoundCloud 
iTunes or Spotify. We're on all three of those. Follow us on Twitter as well, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Enjoy your week. Practice your trades. Hopefully everyone scores big, and I can't wait to review it again next week with you.